a golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> I don't know who's weirder, you or me. You just put the law in my hands, and I'm gonna break your heart with it. Nobody puts baby in the Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. There is no Hello and welcome back to Movies for Life. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brian Kuyper. And I am your other co-host, Michelle Egan. So, a couple episodes back, we talked about My Major and a couple of movies related to it. So, it's Michelle's turn. So, I'm going to turn it back over to Michelle. Let us know. What, what's your major all about? What are we talking about today? Well, okay, let's talk about my career journey here just a little bit because it's not exactly the same as yours, I would say. Um, I really I went to college um, wanting to be a writer, wanting to be a journalist. Um, That's what I was most into for most of my life. You know, in high school, I was uh, on the high school newspaper and I was managing editor of the newspaper and kind of just wanted to continue that and pursue a journalistic field. Kind of I was I was interested in like long form writing, like magazines and stuff. Features, human interest stories is what I really wanted to get into. But when you study journalism, you kind of get into the news. And so when I went to college, I majored in communications with um, a concentration in print journalism. But then actually, while I was in college, uh, we had a new uh, filmmaking professor that uh, came in while I was at college, and he actually added another concentration under communications uh, for digital filmmaking. And so I did that as well. It was only like two years to get that done because you know it was a new thing and there was only a few classes really that I took so I'm a communications major with a double concentration which makes me sound cooler than I am I think (laughs) but I once I uh, finished that and I really got into you know I did a lot of crappy short films in college and stuff like that and was on the radio station at the college for a little bit and I, I really got into it I wasn't I hadn't, I loved movies always, obviously, my whole life, but I had never really thought that I could do anything in movies. But that's where I really developed a passion for editing. That was my favorite thing to do about the the whole filmmaking side, stuff that we learned. And so um, talking to my professor and, you know, learning how to do all this stuff, I, he really suggested me going into to news stations, local news stations after college. And it actually wasn't that long. It was about six months after I graduated. Um, I got a job at a local news station as a director. Wow. But unfortunately, that was also uh, the year that the economy <laughs> was bad. It was like a year later. Um, I was let go from that job. Not for my performance or anything. I was just last hired, first fired pretty much thing. Um, but then I got, I worked at a couple other stations, um, mostly as a photog, shooting video, editing packages and uh, those didn't really work out either so now I'm 
back at home and <laughs> working at a grocery store. <laughs> yeah, you know, I meandered quite a bit on my whole career path, too, over the yeah. years. So I can't remember if I talked about how I didn't teach for 10 years or not, but after college, but I didn't. So it was quite a while between my graduation and actually doing what I majored in. It happens. Um, yeah. I feel bad about it sometimes, kind of, you know, that, you know, you're not really doing what you went to college for. But when I got into the field, um, especially in in news, it, I, it wasn't my passion anymore. It wasn't something mm-hmm. that I wanted to really continue to pursue. I was more interested in the creative side of it, really. Like, all I really wanted to do was go out and shoot some cool footage and edit cool stuff together. And I wasn't so into like going out and getting the hard hitting stories or the news. I never wanted to be a reporter on camera or anything like that. And I was away from home. I moved out to uh, Colorado and Oklahoma for those jobs. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, uh, I honestly got fired from both of them. Uh, One was because not my fault because these people were horrible (laughs) and they just fired people if they didn't like them. I swear. That's the truth. And the other one, I just, I made a dumb mistake and I don't know, I felt, kind of felt like I was self-sabotaging myself uh-huh. because I, I really didn't want to do it anymore and I wanted to go back home <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, fair enough. And you know, the thing about not, quote unquote, not using your major, yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, did you learn something while you were there? Did exactly, you get yeah. something out of it? I mean, even if you found out that's really what you don't want to do with life, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, that's not a waste, you know, in my mind. I, it wasn't. It's, I don't regret yeah. any of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I moved. I, I, I was also, that was, this was years ago, obviously. I'm totally different person. I was very, I had a lot of anxiety about moving anyway, anyway, like being out on my own in a different state, being away from my family, just not really happy. Right. And so... It was good to be able to come back home and, you know, and you look back and you think about all the things that wouldn't have happened if I had stayed doing that. Like, I love where I'm at right now. So, no, I don't regret really any of that. There's a lot more freedom in this job, a lot less pressure. Sure. Yeah. So, and I'm doing, I'm doing really well, so I don't mind. And yeah, I learned a lot. And I mean, I'm kind of doing some of that now. I getting mm-hmm. back into the editing with the podcasting. That's uh, that's what I love to do. And it's similar. It's not video. It's audio. But I still love it. It's not video yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> it will uh, never be video. Uh, it never will be. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't count on any YouTube channels from us. But um, we uh, are talking about a couple of movies, though, sort of related to yeah. um, sort of the the news side, I guess, of what yeah. your major was and a, maybe even less your major and more just kind of your experience to some level. Mm-hmm. So we've got two really different takes on that world. The movie that I am bringing is uh, from 2014, Dan Gilroy's Nightcrawler. Yeah. I love this movie. <laughs> you just gave me a face, but I love this movie so much. I'm so excited. <laughs> creepy. Dark. <laughs> Very creepy. Scary. And the movie that I am bringing is from 1987, James L. Brooks's Broadcast News. Also creepy, dark, and scary. A little no, d- bit. Just... No, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> At times, it, it really is. They're, they're, both of these movies uh, take their time to look into some dark sides mm-hmm. of these. I mean, it's... Uh, they have very similar... I think central theme they do about the news they do I saw that too 
when people think of really the dark side of broadcast television news, I think the, for me, the first one that comes to mind is network though, um, which is really satirical and dark and, you know, broadcast news isn't exactly that. Um, it's, (laughs) it's something, it's something else, but what's funny is with both of these, I hadn't, I had only seen either of these once before I was, uh, struck by both of them the first time. It's fun to revisit and look a little bit deeper into them, you know, watch them as more than just the entertainment of watching them, you know, actually to discuss them is, is a different kind of watching experience. Yeah, I'm looking forward to digging into both. And with my personal experience in news, it's it's a little weird to say that Nightcrawler is actually a little more close to what I did <laughs> than broadcast news, just because I was never a reporter, you know, or, right. or on air or anything like that. I was most of what I did was, was not not any of the bad stuff, not like a killing people. <laughs> Or anything. You, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't orchestrate the death of your partner at any point no. or anything like that. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen Nightcrawler, what? and if you haven't seen Nightcrawler, go watch Nightcrawler because you. If you listen to our show by this point, you know that we're going to spoil the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. um, sp- quote unquote, spoil the whole movie. We're we we dive in deep, so uh, we're going to go for it here. But yeah, I do have some interesting stories if we want to get into <laughs> any of that. Like I would Nightcrawler. Yeah, I mean, we're we're starting with Nightcrawler yeah. uh, today. So let's yeah, let's jump in. First of all, uh, written and directed as I mentioned by Dan Gilroy, who is not done a whole yeah, what else? ton of movies. I never looked uh, him yet. up. What He's else did he done, do? This was really his, as I understand, his first feature. He's written several films, including The Fall. Uh, Velvet Buzzsaw, which he also directed, Free Jack, ooh, with Mick Jagger, that's a while ago, and The Bourne Legacy, Real Steel, and hey, here's one that you'll like, Kong Skull Island. Oh, sweet. Probably co-writer on that. Um, Anyway, so Nightcrawler is his first feature from 2014. Um, He has also directed Velvet Buzzsaw which was his most recent film, and uh, Roman J. Israel Esquire, starring uh, Denzel Washington, uh, was the follow-up in 2017. I haven't even heard it of that. looks like he's got something new coming up called Faster, Cheaper, Better. All right. So, But Nightcrawler is the movie that put him on the map, not just because it was his debut, but I think people were just sort of blown away by a lot of what's going on in this movie. And I think the first thing you notice from just the opening shot is just how damn good this movie looks. Oh, yeah. It is striking. I think this is the best looking urban movie uh, I've seen in a long time, at least at the digital era, if maybe ever, <laughs> you know, in some ways. The director of photography was Robert Elswit, who <laughs> was the DP on a little movie called Magnolia, yeah. which also makes uh, makes L.A. Looks, look pretty amazing. Uh, also Boogie Nights and some other... PTA movies, among a lot of others. Uh, so I just, for me, that's one of the biggest things about this is just how incredible it looks. Yeah. And it's hard to describe that. I mean, just I the know. way the light, especially at night, the the lights and the sort of the darkness and foreboding of it, but also being bright mm-hmm. at night is, is so, it's so interesting. I don't know. It just captures a feeling so perfectly. It really does. And I love a lot about this movie, but I think my favorite thing is is that 
is just the feeling you get the from the look of it. Even if you, yeah, I rewatched this like three times for this, just because mm-hmm. every time mm-hmm. I kind of started it to take notes or something, I was just like really drawn into it. And with, uh-huh. yeah, the way that it's shot and, you know, we don't know much about LA, but I think it, it makes mm-hmm. LA look... It, yeah, it brings about the dark side of LA, which is because it's mostly at night. Obviously, Nightcrawler he works at night, mm-hmm. and it just—I don't know. It's just—it's somehow enticing yes. though, too. It's there's something seductive <laughs> it about is. it all. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, it's it, like something yeah. like just keeps you keeps you in it and keeps you watching, and it's really cool. Love this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, right off the bat, we're introduced to Jake Gyllenhaal. And probably, this is the performance I hear a lot of people say, I was pretty unconvinced with Jake Gyllenhaal until I saw Nightcrawler. Yeah. I'd say I I had enjoyed him in movies before that as well, but this really is a a performance at a next level for him. He plays Louis Bloom, who is kind of an enigma uh, for so much of the movie. You don't know exactly what's going on with him. For me, I, it seems like he he is registering to me as having Asperger's, as being on the spectrum somewhere. That comes from my own son, you know, frankly, because my son can also sit there. He can spout off stats endlessly like that, memorize things instantaneously and all those sorts of things. And so that's kind of where I read that. But... This is mixed with the fact that he's also a sociopath. Right. Um, <laughs> so I think it's more that, um, honestly. Yeah. And it's a really interesting performance. It's dark. I mean, the first thing we see is he's uh, breaking into this yard to steal scrap metal to sell. Yeah. And uh, he attacks a security guard for his watch. Which I kind of forget about yeah. like, as the movie goes on. Yeah. Like, as you get, uh-huh. you kind of get surprised by how much he escalates in the movie. But then yeah. then I forget, like, oh, yeah, he freaking attacks somebody just for his watch. And then be the first scene in the movie. And Gilroy brings the attention to the watch a lot yeah. as the movie goes on. I mean, it's just sort of this reminder. It's like a trophy. Constantly. It's a trophy. Yeah, because <laughs> that's a good point. Because at the time he was, yeah, stealing metal for, for money because he's desperate for money. You would think he would have hawked that watch, too, but he keeps it. Even as he's walking to the studio at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. you they kind of focus in on the watch that he still has. And it's just, yeah. So then he tries to sell the the metal and and he goes in and tries to convince the guy at the scrapyard to hire him. And he's like, I don't hire thieves you know that's where you kind of get a little taste of what kind of guy he is the way he talks is very interesting i don't even really know what to say about it because it's very it's it's kind of annoying to be honest like he's and Mm -hmm. it's very sociopathic because it feels like he just doesn't know how to talk to people he's very off-putting but he's so good at reading the words the way he um he memorizes all of these things that he learns right Mm -hmm. When he's lecturing people, he's talking essentially about things that he learned in some business seminar online, some stats that he learned on the internet. Or stuff that he's making up, like when he sells the bike. Right. But uh, even that almost comes across as being scripted in his mind beforehand. Uh, He has thought everything through. These are the statistics about this particular type of bike. This is how much... I should be able to get out of it. So his bargaining is very interesting in the pawn shop, for example. Mm-hmm. 
just, you know, driving home and seeing this horrible car crash and then seeing Bill Paxton and his crew show uh, up to Bill film Paxton. it. And Yay. Yeah, I know. I love you. As, miss you. Yeah. I always wonder what makes him stop at that crash. I think it's just curiosity. Yeah. Because it, it looks like a particularly bad one. First of all, it's on fire. Yeah. And he sees the police and he's just sort of sort of fascinated by what is this? I mean, I'll have to admit even I, you know, as much as I say, hey, why is the freeway slowed down? It's like, oh, because people were looking at that car crash or whatever. And, and what do I do too? And I, I look and see, oh, I wonder what happened, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think that's what it is. I mean, the fact that no one else really does is kind of it's kind of unusual, but um, he does he does stop. The fact that he gets out of the car, though, yeah, is a little That's what I'm saying. Like, bizarre. you're not really supposed yeah. to do that. No. He gets out of the car, and he's just fascinated by this crew that is filming this. And it's like, well, what are you going to do with this? Uh, we're going to sell it. Or you're going to see it on the 6 o'clock news or whatever. When he does see that, I mean, is it... And here's the thing. Is it fame that he was interested in? Is it some sort of notoriety is it, like he says later in the movie, is it really sparking his interests and passions? Uh, it's hard to say. It's partly, I think, desperation for a job when he hears that yeah. there's there's money in doing something like this. It could be he kind of gets what their job is, it seems like, right away. That yeah. I mean, He has an instinct for he it. He has an instinct for yeah. it. And he, I mean, it's a job that he can do by himself. At mm-hmm. night, away from people, which is where he seems to be the happiest, you know? <laughs> right. To be honest. Right. And yeah, it kind of oddly fascinates him. Then even on those first jobs, okay, those first incidents he goes out on. Yeah, so he steals the bike and goes uh-huh. to the pawn shop and gets a little camcorder and police scanner. Mm-hmm. Uh, very crappy little, like, handheld. <laughs> Not crappy, but like a... Lower, lower. Oh, it's pretty lousy. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a low end, uh, little handheld camcorder. And yeah, yeah those like first, cu- he doesn't know what the hell he's doing at first because, like, they're the first couple of quote unquote stories that he goes out and tries to get is like uh, someone who's drunk and blowing a breathalyzer or somebody's just being right. arrested and he doesn't know really what, what he's doing. Well, I mean, he then he's sort of learning in this how competitive this whole market mm-hmm. is too and you have all these different people all these night crawlers um going out and you know, fighting for these images you know uh, whoever gets the best one is the one that gets sold right or gets the most money yeah exactly and he lucks out and he happens to get a close shot of someone who has been shot while the paramedics are working on him and uh he says he takes it to the lowest rated mm. <laughs> station in in the city, uh, which is run by Nina, or the vampire shift, or the late night yeah. shift is run by Nina, played by Renee Russo. Ah, God, I, I've missed uh, her. And then you oh, see that. Oh, no kidding. Uh, she's so good. She's terrific in this. Mm-hmm. She's one of those actors that every time she shows up on screen, you know, you're in for something good it's she's going to be good in the role and then in this it's like holy (laughs) shit is she good in this role Um, she's super tough super shrewd kind of it comes across as a business woman even though that's not really her job uh her job is as this news producer right the stuff that she offers to buy 
is just so disturbing how frank she is about you know it what it's, it's like, almost kind of refreshing how mm-hmm. candid she is about the racial bias in the news and that first yeah. meeting that she has with him about what yeah what they're looking for i mean she straight up says yeah. it yeah she says we want urban crime encroaching on the suburbs people who are well off and white mm-hmm committed you know crimes committed by minorities is what she says against them yeah and it's just like it's uh because these are the people that are watching the news and these are the people that are afraid you know it's it's to build up a sense of fear so that they'll keep watching the news so they'll keep watching Bring her ratings up yeah Mm -hmm. and possibly you kind of get the sense that she's she really wants to get out of (laughs) what she's doing i mean that's a that's yeah. a crappy shift. Oh, Overnight yeah. shift at a new station. I've done that before. It's not fun. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. you have to, in, in that world, and her world, especially in LA, like this is why it's a little bit different than my personal experience because I worked in like smaller markets where mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of crime stuff like this that we went out and shot. But I mean, this is Los Angeles where there's like right. stuff going on all the time. So like she, she wants all of this graphic gory stuff that will bring uh, viewers to her station which is kind of part of the whole central theme of this movie and of broadcast Mm -hmm. news actually about the the morals really of news stations for doing stuff like this well in broadcast news i mean when the reporters are standing around you know talking about (laughs) throwing out a moral dilemma and all of them are just like yeah Yeah, so do that like yeah whatever we do it yeah and there's a there's a line later in this movie that's just like <laughs> it, 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 it sort of encapsulates all that so beautifully too. When later she says where she brings in the lawyer or the one of the studio producers and says, you know, can we? Oh yes, <laughs> can we show this? And she says, what legally? And she says, no, morally, of course, legally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's that's and all that's this is clearly. You know, it's all about the spin, you know, Mm -hmm. it's about, you know, creating a climate of fear that people will get into a tizzy and watch their news. It's like, uh, anyway. Yeah, that that first footage that he sells to her is of a carjacking victim, Mm -hmm. the guy that got shot. And she, her head just immediately goes to, oh, well, we'll tie it to that, this other carjacking and this other carjacking and we'll call it a carjacking crime wave and we'll create that fear, even though that's probably not at all what's going on you know there's very unrelated incidents that don't have anything to do with each other and it's not a crime wave you want to again you like you have to instill that fear like it's about getting people to keep watching it's pretty much it it's not really about reporting the news at a point it seems like in this movie it's it's keeping people to keep watching and boost your ratings and that's the gross side of the whole thing. It's kind of a it's kind of a dark side of capitalism oh, movie yeah. at its core. I mean, if it wasn't the news, it would be, you know, something else. But it's just this guy and this sort of fits perfectly with his the the way he's wired to to be able to do things and to that not are care. Kind of horrible. Yeah, and to not care about it. Yeah. He's very uh, apathetic. That's, that's where it comes down to. Yeah. I mean, he has 
a thing at the end of the movie where it's I guess it's supposed to be some kind of like reveal about his character when he says to his partner Rick what if the the truth is not that I don't want to relate to people but that I just don't like people it's like I could have told you that at the beginning of the movie that you just don't like people and you don't care and you have that you're very very apathetic and that's how he's able to do these things because he does things in this movie that I I never could have done as as a photog when i did it i could i have a story i could tell there was um it was an accident two guys were working on a car together and something something happens kind of miscommunication happened and again it was an accident one guy was crushed by the car Ooh. and died yeah uh, and i think they were like friends or something and so i actually i i got a shot of the body and then i also um I got a shot of his friend kind of being walking through the scene, like with the police and he like, he was crying and it was, and I felt horrible. Yeah. And it was a great shot, you know, just for, for news stuff for that, for that emotion. But I felt horrible about it. I mm-hmm. felt horrible about it. Like putting that on the news to doing in that to that person, you know? Yeah. I can imagine because you know what's what we have happening with Lewis in this movie is he is saving everything uh like the final versions of the stories that air and putting them and saving them on his computer with the title that they gave it so mm-hmm. carjacking crime wave is what he titles it you know he immediately goes on he memorizes all of the police codes mm-hmm. for LA he goes out and he's got his shitty little car and he (laughs) meets his uh, he meets this guy in a in a restaurant and like a little coffee shop and it's Riz Ahmed as Rick uh, who's great in this I love him this is and the thing is I had uh, I hadn't really realized him in this movie I until I saw I saw uh, Sound of Metal you know, just oh, this last that. year. And he's terrific. He's the lead in that oh, okay. movie. And um, yeah, so he's, so seeing him going back and watching this is like, oh, holy shit, it's, it's Riz Ahmed. You know, it's, it's this really talented uh, young actor and he's great in this. Uh, it's absolutely terrific in this movie. Why hire you? <laughs> Sell yourself. Okay. Go. Okay. Uh, well, I'm Rick, of course. Uh, I I took three buses to get here. I finished high school. I need a job. <laughs> I'll do pretty much anything. That's me. I right. So, mm. what's your address, Richard? I don't have one. Right, not a permanent one. I mean, right now. You're homeless. I I was for a while. You trick. Worked the street? No. Wasn't a question. I'm straight. Plenty of straight guys trick. Do you have a driver's license? Yeah. Do you know Los Angeles? Yeah, I grew up all around here. Can you start tonight? Doing what? (laughs) I run a successful TV news business. We film breaking stories. Maybe you saw my item this morning with fatal carjacking. No, I mean, I don't have a TV, but that sounds cool. Do you have a cell phone? Yeah. Does yeah. it have GPS? Yes, it does. Yeah. Congratulations, you're hired. Okay. <laughs> Your job will be to listen to the emergency radio, learn police codes, help navigate, and watch the car. Okay. And what does it pay? It's an internship. 
And I, uh, I can't do that. I, I need, I need money. I'm giving you a chance to explore career options and gain insight into my organization. It's not at all unusual for me to make full-time job offers to my interns. No, I know. I just, I, I need, I, I gotta get paid like something at least, you know. I'll give you $30 cash per night. Okay. Okay. Thank you. He's brought on for 30 bucks a night, <laughs> which to me is like, this is That's not peanuts. worth 30. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that I would, there's no way I would do this for 30 bucks a night no. ever. No. I wouldn't put up with Lou for <laughs> 10 Lewis, minutes right? for 30 bucks, you know, and it comes in there. It's like. It's funny because that's the one thing that I thought was kind of weird. He sort of insists that Rick call him Lewis in that scene. But then from then on, he he's doesn't Lou. seem to care. He's, he's Lou. He's Lou to everybody else. <laughs> it's like, it's like if, if it really was trying to project a certain type of mental state, he would be correcting people all the time on that. And I'm sort of surprised that they don't. Maybe that's not what they're going for. I don't know. That's just a small observation about the movie. I don't, so I, it, I don't know, <laughs> to be honest. But um, so that next shot after he hires him and they go in and he films okay, inside his, the Go ahead, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, just his whole like interview scene with him is just it's another one of those, yeah, another one of those examples of him just bullshitting and being a really, really good bullshitter, though. You know, because yeah. he makes it throughout the whole movie. You wonder how like Rick goes along with it, not just for the money, but how he actually just mm-hmm. believes him because he makes him think that he actually has a full company, uh, an already established right. company that does this, even though uh, he's the only person there and right. he never meets anybody else. He's quite the manipulator. He's so good. He's, uh, he, and again, it's it's really seems to all be coming from this. Because in a later scene, like not far after this, he's talking with Nina and he says, you can learn all sorts of things from the Internet. Mm -hmm. And uh, about a year ago, I did a business course. And it seems like everything he's saying to Rick throughout the course of this movie is something from that business seminar that he saw online. It has sort of that feel of of being quippy and... um, (laughs) Some CEO of some yeah. company coming out and saying, this is what you need to do. And and it's not really one size fits all. It's not the way it really works. It's just, you know, those sort of self-help style. That's what it sounds like. Even. <laughs> yeah. Where where it's not, it's <laughs> bringing back to Magnolia again. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit T- Frank T.J. Mackey, you know, without the uh, <laughs> gross sexual stuff to in it, you know, but. It's that same level of manipulation in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, and I wish I could and like he has quote, latched onto all of it. Yeah, I wish I could quote some of this because the dialogue and the way that Jake Gyllenhaal delivers it. That's this is part of why this movie is so amazing to watch. Just because he he just like chews on every word and he he says it so fast. Mm-hmm. But like you can the way that his character is presented, like you you believe that that that's, that's how he actually talks all the time. And he's just, his performance is so good at delivering that dialogue, which is probably very difficult dialogue, you know, to do in a believable way. Oh, yeah. And he just nails it. Oh, yeah. He he nails this role entirely. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those that people look at and go, the guy wasn't even nominated for this movie. (laughs) You know, that's that's one of those kind of performances. Mm -hmm. I've kind of stopped caring about any of that. Really? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I haven't watched the Oscars in years um, because they're, to me, have come across as such complete bullshit. Pretty much. Um, this is one of those roles where it really does seem like it's a nomination-worthy role because he's that good in it. It's a very unusual kind of performance and it's like nothing that we've seen from Hall before this so there's nothing in anything he's done at any other time that would make you think oh yeah he'd uh, be good for nightcrawler yeah. let's let's cast him in nightcrawler but i'm glad that you know gilroy saw something in him and decided to put him in the role because he's great he went really method with it too he lost like 25 pounds he said and Mm -hmm. he kind of tried to live the life for a little bit like he would stay up all night and sleep during the day and um just like the i don't know like letting his hair grow out and yeah the way his body looks is very it gives the impression of the character just that he has like very sunken hollow eyes and face and just Mm -hmm. the desperation you can see it like in his look too in a way if you if that makes sense oh certainly yeah because i mean this is you got to remember this is a guy who's um kind of desperate for money Mm -hmm. even at the beginning of the movie before he actually starts you know doing the actual nightcrawler thing he's actually a nightcrawler already you know spending all of his nights up you know doing petty theft in order to make a little money uh so that seems to be the case like he's spending most of his nights up and his days i mean there's also the sense of insomnia yeah probably with this character you know because he always seems weirdly energetic but tired (laughs) you know it's 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 strange it's a it's an odd mix those um scenes at the beginning to kind of give you a little bit more about his character again like the desperation for money like when you see his apartment for the first time uh-huh and he's he's watching the morning news to see you know the stuff like car crash that he saw on the freeway and there's there was one shot like outside of like the television cable which kind of made me think that he was stealing cable oh you know? yeah 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 i think that's the case actually <laughs> i hadn't thought about that but yeah yeah and then you go you go inside and he you know he only has like five shirts in his closet his pillowcase uh-huh. is like a little child's pillowcase it's got like animals on it and so Uh everything feels like very cheap and scraped together you know like Mm -hmm. that and he's mending his pants while he's watching the news so it's kind of interesting watching um the behind the scenes with uh, dan gilroy about this character he almost it's almost like an admiration for him they call it they call it i think they laugh about it but they call it like a a success story really for this character even though he's a horrible person in a way like he he talks about him as being somebody like raised on the internet um and not Mm -hmm. really around people a lot which probably adds to his apathy yeah. Which I was like, well, yeah, a lot of people are raised on the internet and they're not like horrible people too, but whatever. It's probably something else in him already that's adding to that as well. Oh, I sure. thought that was interesting. I was like, I mean, yeah, I guess it is kind of a success story, even though the way he mm-hmm. goes about it is um, breaking the law and <laughs> getting people hurt. <laughs> if you want to look at it that way, yeah. sure. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, I mean, so the second thing that he gets when he goes into the house, you know, he's like moving the pictures around on the on the refrigerator Mm -hmm. so that they're the pictures are near the bullet holes. He does actually get that's a great shot, actually, of the bullet holes in the glass with a couple. I mean, I got to say (laughs) it looks good. It really (laughs) is. It really is. And he gets it without their knowledge and all those sorts of things. And uh, but hey, supposed to do. 
Exactly. And he's, he's, it's showing that he will do things by unethical means, which sure. I think we already knew, but it's just kind of reminding us yeah. that anything unethical that he did before, he's just applying it now to this new line of work, you know? I think that's an interesting um, setup. It's it's doesn't beat you over the head with it, but at the same time, it is all of these reminders that yeah, this guy's not such a good guy. Just nope. remember that because you know don't because the that's the thing. He's kind of charming. He is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's Jake Gyllenhaal, so he's attractive. You know, he's a good-looking guy, and he's um, has sort of the way he looks at people is which is all a lie. Draw. Yeah, he just draws them in, you know. Some people just have a presence that can draw you in. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't say that he's charming because I hate him in this movie. He's no, a terrible no, person. but he's, yeah, he does I mean, have, charming, charming, charming like a snake okay, yeah. is charming. Yeah, but he, yeah, he does have a presence. <laughs> I think that's a better way to put it. <laughs> yeah, he has a presence, I think. There, yeah. And with the, the ethics that he's playing with, um, he's found a great partner in Nina, unfortunately yeah yeah who's well, also desperate. yeah who's also in the same position and he's uh he's so using her and manipulating mm-hmm. her too i think he it's it's like he kind of caught on to who she was in there that very first meeting and like he knows oh, yeah. that he can he can use her and that she will be just as unethical and immoral as he is and that you know she'll keep giving him the money and he'll keep going further and further because mm-hmm. she'll accept it yeah and clearly he's he knows what as soon as she sort of describes what she wants he's like okay i got that yeah because he keeps saying the bloody you want bloody right (laughs) you want bloody and so then they just have that montage where he just keeps selling and getting more stuff and filling his computer up and he talks about how hey i'm i'm watching my own stuff back all the time i i he kind of gets off on it which sort of uh, applies to what my recommendation is going to be this week. There is that idea of he's into his own work, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> which is unusual. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not I'm not going to say that everyone who sort of uh, goes back and revisits their own work is a creep, but that's not the case. But I, I think that it's unusual. Let's put it that way <laughs> for people who are creative to revisit their own stuff and be really into it (laughs) let's put it that way you know i don't know a lot of people like that that as far as i've encountered uh, most kind of want to improve and get better but i mean you see how quickly how he becomes successful i mean he goes out and buys the nice car um, has better equipment gets better equipment very quickly um i hate the scene um when you first see the car and just another part mm-hmm. of just like, why is he staying with this guy? And he makes a big deal about him spilling gas on the car. Gas on his car. Like, yeah. oh, Jesus. It's like, if you do that again, I'm going to terminate you. I mean, it's just like, come on, dude. <laughs> it's, 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 it's just clear. I mean, he's not someone who knows how to deal with people. Yeah. He doesn't um, like people for, for various reasons. And I think it really is. He doesn't like people. And you know, I know people that don't like people. So, I mean, I, 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 I like, there's, there's the line in Men in Black where he says, where he talks about the difference between a person and people, you know, a person is smart, you know, people are all these horrible things. And I feel that way sometimes when I go out in public, you know, like to somewhere crowded and I'll just come home to, and I'll say to my wife, you know, I hate people. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, it's because 
so I kind of get that. I mean, but he's he's sort of like that even with individuals. Even mm-hmm. when he's spending time with individuals, it's like I hate everybody. I hate people. I hate a person as well as as much as I hate people. He doesn't see it's, them it's, as people. Which is what is part of actually what makes him so good because he doesn't care because he doesn't see the people Mm -hmm. that he's dealing with as people. I think in the next one when he that um, that crash where he actually moves the body. Yeah. No. Yeah. (laughs) Don't do that. He's staging it. And like the thing I got from one of these last viewings was that every time he does that or he gets he like gets the good shot, you know, quote unquote, there's this like Mm -hmm. really triumphant music that plays. Mm-hmm. As if he's doing something good when he's not at all. Right, right. I just thought that was really and this interesting. This, of course, plays. This, this of course, plays. That plays into uh, broadcast news as well. When you when you doctor the script, mm-hmm. you know, it seems so minor. <laughs> it somehow it in, in broadcast news though. After watching this, because yeah. I mean, here, I mean, he's literally staging things he's literally orchestrating bad things to happen so he can capture them on on tape yeah you know especially by the end of the movie um but this is where he asked nina out okay can we talk really about creepy him and nina. that's so creepy but but she's kind of into it i don't know she's not he's blackmailing not, her i know i know but i mean this is before that before the before actual the scene? scene in the rest, before the actual yeah. scene in the restaurant, she where where he is just talking to her about it, about the restaurant and everything mm-hmm. like that, because he sees her as a way for him to get up to the next level, mm-hmm. and he has this all in mind of what he's going to do at the dinner scene. Oh, yeah. She says no in this in this first scene, right? She says no. And they kind of leave it at that. The scene leaves it at that. But she kind of looks his direction with a little bit of curiosity. I don't think it's that at and all. It's, okay. <laughs> I think it's basically what he tells her that she feels like she needs to, to be able to keep this relationship because he's doing a good job of bringing her the worst stuff to show and helping yeah. her in her career. And she feels like she feels compelled to do this to, uh, to keep that relationship. Yeah, I suppose. I think, I don't know. I, I, I know that that is true. I know that that is definitely true. But I actually think there's a big, just because of what she says about him later in the movie, that makes me think, I think she finds him fascinating. There's probably, on some there's probably level. a little bit of that too, yeah. So, um, but that dinner scene I mean, is so gross. A, the dinner scene's awful. I I know I totally agree ah. I totally agree. all uh, see all of this is horribly uncomfortable yeah. but at the same time why does she even why does she go I mean because in that previous scene she's the short scene she's like no I'm not going to and then next thing we see him together they're at this restaurant that he's been talking about and this is after Paxton has offered him to lead oh, the second God, van yeah and he's, that he's is like a come scary on bra he says bra you know? a lot. <laughs> Yeah, Paxton, we love you. That, yeah, so, that he a, has such a small part in yeah. this movie, but he's he's so great in that little role. He is, and I I think he's um yeah his presence really is missed. I recently watched Twister <laughs> again with yeah. the kids, and you know, so just seeing him in this, and I love him in a role like this. This is a little bit closer to the role he plays in Near Dark oh, uh, kinda. <laughs> than it is to some than it is to something or even or even like Aliens, you know. Just where you can see he's he's having fun a little bit. 
Yeah, the girl. yeah. Uh huh. Where where he's a little bit skeezy. Yeah. You know, he's a little bit kind of a gross character that you don't really want to like either. He's not as you know? bad as and Lou. He's, and he's okay. He, huh? He's not as bad as Lou. But. Oh, no, no, no. He's not. He's not because he actually has a conscience. Yeah. He has some semblance of a conscience, at least. It makes a big impact um, for such a small amount of screen time. Yeah. You know? Especially um, in this scene, I think, where he offers him the job. And uh, Lou has that line. He, he keeps saying, like, you keep talking to me like I'm interested. And then he has that line where he's like, I want to grab you by your ears and scream in your face that I'm not fucking interested. And he, Paxton looks like, terrified of this guy which he like yeah should be to be honest <laughs> there's definitely good reason yeah as we find out later <laughs> as we find out yeah and boy when we get to that scene boy yeah <laughs> anyway but then then it cuts to him out on the date with nina mm-hmm. <laughs> or or in date i don't think it's i don't think he even really intends it to be a date entirely he intends it to be how am i going to use this person to get to the next level and yes, he wants other things too, but I mean, part of the biggest thing on his mind is, I think, the financial element and the business element and the notoriety element. She, because he tells her where he grew up, you know, in the valley and all these sorts of things. And then he says, you grew up in Pennsylvania and all this stuff. And she asks, how do you know that? It's online. There's a lot of stuff about you online. <laughs> Which is just a chilling line and the way Uh he says it because her and I think also the fact that she's older is important because if she was younger, she'd know that she'd be a little bit more aware of that. I say this as someone who is fairly unaware of my online presence, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because I'm at I'm I'm in my mid 40s. I'm going to call it mid 40s. It's close enough. Um, so I can, I can say that, I mean, I am just not even remote. I'm I'm not uh, a thousandth as tech savvy as my kids are. Mm -hmm. They know (laughs) what all is going on and what's out there. And I'm sort of like, I, I feel like I know better than my parents, but maybe not that much. When I get that email, is this real or is it not? You know, that sort of thing. But I think that's part of the reason why why we have Nina being the age she is. I mean, because she's practically twice his age. I I think there's an element where her not being as aware of the internet is important. But God, that whole scene is just chilling. Because he he does, he he blackmails her by saying, okay, I know who, he has her her number is the thing. Mm -hmm. He says, you know, you are, you're on the vampire shift at the worst rated station in the city. You haven't held a job down for more than two years, and you're coming up. To Which two is years normal now. in the news. Oh, of course. Oh, to yeah. Switch stations. Oh, yeah. But 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 she's she's kind of fallen down the ladder. Yeah, she's you can, sort you of definitely at the get bottom rung. She's at the bottom rung. If, if she's sort of finished, if she falls off, mm-hmm. if she gets let go this time. That's another reason why. Know? Yeah, I do think her her age and him her being older than him is important because that kind of adds to that. You know, she's mm-hmm. she's. Far, it seems like she's so far in her career, and yet she still hasn't gotten to where she wants to be. And that's where her her desperation comes mm-hmm. from. Yeah, and why she sure. agrees, I guess, in a way, to his blackmailing of her, yeah. not only mm-hmm. into a professional relationship but into a sexual relationship, which is really yeah. fucking gross. It's gross. 
It's really gross. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't, it, it's, they don't spend too much time hammering away at that. <laughs> you there's know, one that element. line though. That, there's one, there's that one just... line. It's like what, what you talk about when we're alone together. No. That sort of. No. He says like, I want you to agree to do the things that I, that I want you to do when we're alone in your apartment. Not like last time. Yeah. Which is so, that's, what I that's so rapey. I swear to God. Yeah. He's, so he's not only a criminal. He's to me, he's a rapist. If he does stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and that that was the that's exactly the line that I was referring to. Yeah. So I'm glad you had it you had it in your better articulated than I did. Yeah, um, so ugh, creepy, yeah. creepy. Well, I mean, he's a leech. Okay, so then basically. after this, it's, like, ugh, it's just so gross. Like he's because he's totally manipulating and playing on her weaknesses. Yeah, and that's just the kind of person that he is. Ugh. Yeah. So of course, after this, we have the moment where Joe, who is Bill Paxton, Joe Loader. Uh, beats him to a scene. Yeah, a plane crash. And the pl- yeah, and so he gets chewed out by Nina because he they missed it and all this other stuff. This is kind of funny so, scene too when he she's chewing him out because it's a, something that happened in a place called Corona. <laughs> right. I don't know. There's just a funny line where she's like, "I don't give a goddamn about fucking Corona." <laughs> it's just kind of. Oh, it's just kind, kind of, of ironic. Yeah. <laughs> it has a, it has a, it has a different. Has a different meaning yeah, now than it that used just to. Made me laugh. Um, yeah, well, I mean, but he's but she's essentially talking about how you know the crime, some crime that happened in the bad part of town. I don't care it's about you know that yeah. it's not news because it always happens, and that's just again, it's that racial bias and all that other racial stuff. Racial bias it's, always wanting the the worst and economic bias yeah yeah yeah. and uh, also economic bias too so um you know if something happens some horrible crime happens to a poor person who is a minority she doesn't care and that is just oh that is just didn't he say something earlier to rick too about like uh like a something happening in compton like that's not news we don't want that and every time that they are listening to the scanner they're listening for serious crimes or tragedies or accidents and he's always like oh it's in a good neighborhood too so let's go we want to get that you want to pick and choose what news we we tell people that was another part um i just thought of this too from uh one of my jobs that i had one thing that we had to do like all the photogs from all the different stations we would um go to the police station at the beginning of the day on some mornings, like we were assigned like which day it was called cop shop is what we called it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we would go to cop shop in the morning and you go with your equipment and we would sit there. All the photogs from the different stations would sit there and we would read through the police reports that they had released for that day mm-hmm. and like pick out which stories we wanted to wanted to actually get sound bites and, and thoughts from the PR person for the police, which at the time I was like, this feels kind of gross again, too. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're always looking like for the biggest tragedies, you know, not yeah. like, like, oh, this is just a robbery. But that's boring. You know, like talking about uh, yeah. things happening to these people as boring, <laughs> you know, because it's not. News. It's a life altering situation right. <laughs> to this person. Yeah. Whoever they are. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's that's uh, that would be hard to deal with. I That seems seems like you would have to turn off you know an element of yourself in some way to really be able to do that well mm-hmm. i know there are a lot of jobs that where you got to sort of turn off your emotion or you turn off your 
uh, not conscience exactly, but like even in the medical field where you just have to do something dispassionately mm-hmm. um, so you don't lose your cool, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, it's tough to, as a feeling human being, to, to do a lot of things in this world, I think. That's what it felt like. Because like, I, I, under, I understood why I was doing it, you know, for the news, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of get that part of it but it also just yeah it just feels wrong (laughs) it felt it felt wrong to do that to pick and choose the news to tell you know yeah which is kind of what's happening with nina in this movie she's she's making the news too she's making stuff up and so is lou way obviously way more later on Mm -hmm. yeah it's sort of a cycle it's of both of them sort of feeding into each other Mm -hmm. Not exactly cooking the story. It's not made up out of whole cloth. It really is there. It's just it's making it bigger than it really pick, is. Making it bigger than it is, or picking and choosing what element of it we're reporting on, which comes into play later. Anyway, the next scene during the day when we see Lou underneath one of uh, Loader's vans mm-hmm. doing something. Something. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, then they come to the scene of the crashed van and Rick says, we, he's one of us. You can't film this. And he says, he's a sale. Yeah. That line is chilling. So dark. Uh, especially. What's going on there? Yeah. Especially the look that Bill Paxton, as he's laying on the gurney, like all bloody and stuff. And he knows. Looking, looking at Lewis shooting him. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if he knows or if he's just like realizing that he's become the story, you know? In a way, and yeah. he's he's seeing he's finally seeing that from the other side. Yeah, or if he uh, knows that maybe Lewis did something. It's hard to know. I mean, there's. I think he probably suspects maybe. that something weird is up because because yeah, because why know, would he this be there? Guy is scary. Because why yeah. would he be there at just a plain old van crash when right. they say that there's a bigger story happening, you know, somewhere else that that they were actually headed to when they crashed. So I right. so it's like yeah, I think he might kind of know something. It's hard to say, but whatever is going through his head, it's the wheels are definitely turning in that moment. And it's and when it just pans up to him, sort of he's or jibs up or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know the right terminology. I know pan is side to side. Going up is something else. Tilt. Yeah. Tilt. That's what it is. And shows him just holding the camera up over him Mm -hmm. like that. It's it's. It just kind of makes you feel a little gross, yeah. you know. Then we sort of head into what sort of propels us towards the end of the movie, and that is um, they beat the police to an apparent robbery in progress or something. Home invasion. Any home invasion. Home invasion. He hears shots fired right when he arrives. Uh, he gets the escape of these of the people who did it on film. Uh, He's got and a goes very clear the shot house. of their faces. By the way, <laughs> very clear shot of their faces, of their license, license plate. plate, of the car that they're in, everything. And he goes inside the house. He films the bodies. We see that one of the victims is alive still, mm-hmm. which is um, interesting. But he's you know he's clearly contaminating the crime scene, right? You know Ugh. by doing this. And then as they're escaping, he's like, he's, he's lecturing Rick again. <laughs> As they're leaving, yeah. he's like, you know, maybe you should, as an employee, if you should take initiative and if you did these things, I might 
be more open to having you, yeah. <laughs> having you be promoted, and you're gonna do think of the betterment of the of the company yeah. and all these sorts of things. It's just so Rick like, is like, oh, I heard God. gunshots. And he's like, well, yeah, that means you should have come over and helped me. He's like, no, that means you should get the hell out of there and wait for the police. Right. But he can't do that because so, yeah, this is kind of it's kind of the pinnacle almost of what yeah. both he and Nina have been after. Three thousand. I got 3000 for the food truck stabbings. There were more, Dad. Those were poor Mexican people in a roach coach. Two of them were illegals. These are three wealthy white people shot and killed in their mansion, including a suburban housewife shotgunned in her bed. I know you, Nina. I know your interest and excitement in this product is greater than the amount you're offering. 5000 30000 10,000. 15,000. Give me a serious number. 15,000. Can't do it. Never happened. There's a matter of precedent. Ten's my last best offer. Okay. Really? Where are you going? Sevens approached me at least several times. The ND there gave me his number. They'll make me a better offer. It's a five minute drive. Hold on. 12. 15. I can't spend a month's budget on a single story. What if the story's not over? The people who did this escaped. They're still out there, walking around with the rest of us. If I had a family and I lived in a home, that might make me nervous. I'd want updates on what was going on. With this footage, people would turn to your channel for the story. Oh, it's absolutely what they've been after, is something like this, you know? Because this is what can put them over the top. I mean, and this is where that whole thing where, where she asks... You know, the person from the network, can we show this and ask legally? It's like, no, morally, of course, legally. It's like she doesn't care about the ethics of this at all. It doesn't have anything to do with the morality, with positive or negative ethics. It's just, can I get away with this? Mm -hmm. Because this is going to be a big story that's going to save my ass from getting fired. They have the exclusive. Yeah. Everyone's mm-hmm. going to be following up on this story. They're the first ones there. It's always about being the first one there and getting yeah. the best footage. And, you know, one thing about this scene is there's like a an intern or, you know, just like a really young editor there. And she looks so disturbed while watching this. Mm-hmm. Oh, stuff. yeah. She's like, oh, she's like, don't tell me like, there's a baby. Not, don't tell me there's not a baby in there. Yeah. 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 She's like, this can't, we can't do this. And she, she knows. And, she hasn't yet gotten to the point where her, I guess, heart has turned to charcoal right. within her to be able to <laughs> to just do this, you know? Oh, yeah. We should also mention um, Kevin Ram as Frank Cruz, the uh, the Simon editor. Yeah. Um, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I love him. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, he's the one that's always fighting with Nina. At every point like every new piece of footage that that Lou brings her like he's always like don't show this what are you doing this is wrong we shouldn't be doing yeah. this at every point and he's he's so adamant about it um he's really he's well, the Nina's, voice of like probably what the viewer is thinking of, yeah she he's the conscience he's definitely the conscience of the movie yeah 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 well i mean nina's practically giddy watching this mm-hmm. she doesn't really show it because she knows she can't show it she can't let Lou see it how much she wants this video. Mm-hmm. When they're negotiating price there, that sequence, that little scene Ugh. is dark. All of his, uh, his little ultimatums. Oh, it's like... Everything is like, from here on out, I want credit. 
I want you to say the name of my company and they say it exactly like this. Uh, I want you to introduce me to people around here. We're no longer bargaining on price. If I say I want a certain amount for something, that's what, that's the lowest I'll go. And she's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then in this seek, this next part where they're actually showing this on the air, this is a lot like a a scene in in broadcast news, news, which is where she's feeding the anchors while they're showing the video. Repeat it, hit it harder, Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. It's like they're still out there. And then after they go to commercial, they sort of fist bumps the director and says, that's a 10 share. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> God, <laughs> it's just. Because, I mean, to be honest, the way that they they do that is actually is actually really compelling and really, uh, it's a really good way to present the story. The way that they actually mm-hmm. just show the footage and have the reporters talk through it. I mean, that's, that's very yeah. emotional and hard hitting and that's mm-hmm. going to get people's attention and that's going to get people scared and worried and that's what they want. And well, from yeah, a news standpoint, it, from news point standpoint, it's actually pretty good way to do something. I don't know if I would do it with like bloody dead bodies. No, because <laughs> well, I mean awful. even they they pixelate the 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 blood and the faces, but it's just like still you know exactly oh, yeah. what's going on, and it's very disturbing. And then they even show the crib. You know, they zoom in on the crib and it's empty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, and there's like, please let there not be a baby in there. Yeah. You know, it's what the, one of the anchors says, and, and it's it, like it's like Lewis knew that. There wasn't a baby in there, but he shot it just for that reason, that he knew that that would mm-hmm. get the emotions high He knew again. what people were he thinking. thinking. Yeah, he knew people would be thinking that exact thought. And boy, he's right. Mm-hmm. So he's actually very good at what he does, I guess, if you want to give him some credit for being an awful person. And that's the thing, you know, um, there are, in both these movies, you kind of see some of these horrible th- I think much more horrible I think in this movie yes. than in <laughs> than in broadcast news but you see people do you know questionable things but they're really good at what they do cuz i mean isn't the next morning haven't all of the stations picked up the same story too well obviously it's of- uh, three white people wealthy people in yeah. a good neighborhood yeah the horrible crime which as yeah. we find out later it, that's not actually the full story but that's nope. not what anybody cares about nope and the thing is, before giving over the video, he cuts out two things. Mm-hmm. He cuts out the escape. So he cuts, he keeps that footage of the license plate, the car, the faces, the individuals to himself. And he cuts out the fact that w- one of the victims groans and lets out yeah. some sort of noise to indicate that he's still alive. So what is shown is there are three dead, rich, white people in a house in a nice neighborhood and the killers are still at large. Yeah. You know, that is the spin when it's not really the case entirely. I mean, there's a lot of that that is true, but not the entire story. You don't have all the information. And the fact that this all could have been found out and these people could have been caught and stopped right away if he had included that footage of who they were, yeah. who the killers were. And he, he lies to yep. the cops and says, because they... They come to the cops, obviously come to see him after seeing that footage on the news. And they're yeah. like, so what else did you see? What do these guys look like? And he he tells you kind of wondering what he's I remember when I first saw this, like, I didn't know really what he was doing because he says, you know, I didn't I didn't see them. They were just shapes. I couldn't make out their faces. 
Right. And then you kind of realize like, oh, my God, he's going to go after them himself mm-hmm. and set it up for them to because that'll be another thing. Like as the, as the story, you feel like he knows that the story, there's more to the story. It's going to keep building. He's like, oh, well, then I got to film the arrest of these people, this huge story. Right. And he he creates. Uh, he creates the situation. The situation and yeah, puts people in danger. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's awful. And yeah, which is where we're at. Yeah. I mean, he comes down, he tracks, he, so he's taken all the screenshots. He's looked up, he knows where these guys are. He, know, he knows who they are. Uh, he's able to find out where they live. He tracks them down. Then that whole conversation he has with Rick in the car. Oh, about the money? Yeah. About the money. And and Rick's like, uh, 175 a night? He's like, wait a minute, could I have gotten more? Could Absolutely. I have gotten more? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's like, one can I get of, more now? That's one nope. Funny <laughs> I could have gotten more. I uh, yeah. So I mean, it's a little bit funny in that part, but at the same time, it's also like, what a prick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, this guy has put up with your bullshit and done all this stuff you, with you. Why don't you uh-huh. pay him a decent wage? Probably because I don't know. Do you think he had everything planned out? <laughs> I don't think he, the, he couldn't. The final have. moment, he couldn't have obviously. But he, no, no, I think. But I think when the opportunity knocked, he was like gonna take it. And I think it was later on. I think when he's asking, when Rick is asking for, because there's a reward for the arrest of the two men that committed this crime, and he, yeah. he's very adamant about asking for half the money, which obviously yes. he should get because <laughs> they're partners Yo, definitely well and then the thing is um lewis agrees to that he doesn't agree to it he, though i think he, he says he does well he says he does because this is the this is the part where we have okay so what's going on here he's they've tailed they they're sitting they see they find the guys who okay. committed the crime they and find they're, the guys. they're following yeah. them to a more populated area or yeah. somewhere where, obviously where he can again create the situation to where he can call the police and get them to come and arrest yeah. these guys yeah yeah they go into the restaurant they call and he calls the police he says that one of them is armed which he doesn't actually know if he is at that point i don't think i don't think he could have seen that yeah he doesn't see it in fact it's the other person who actually pulls the gun under the table oh, i didn't realize it's, that. it's it's the other oh because um, yeah he says suspect. the guy with the scratches on his face is, is armed. yeah but it's the other guy yeah um and th- who knows they could both be um you get the impression that they both are but the one that you actually see pull the gun is is the one yeah. that he does not say is armed. But you get the impression um, that he says that he's armed to create more alarm with the police and maybe make it a, uh, again make it a bigger situation. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. But I mean, and that that's where that whole conversation about you know about the money comes in is like, and he actually says that I I don't, and it's hard to tell. Does he actually um, sort of admire his? the balls on this guy for even asking him, Maybe. <laughs> you know, uh, Maybe it, because, because, because he does say to absolutely to, it's like, well, after all we've been through, I think it's something that, I will absolutely do or something like that. I think he maybe. But he I think he also has in the back of his head that he may not survive the night. Yeah. Like maybe <laughs> he know. does kind of admire the the balls on him to ask for this kind of money. But then he also realizes like he's going to keep doing this and I don't want that. I want all the money. Right. I want all of this. And so he I think he agrees mm-hmm. to it out loud. But inwardly, he's like, no, nah, 
this guy's out. I'm going to get rid of him somehow. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Essentially, what happens here, uh, the cops come in to the restaurant. One of the suspects pulls a gun, like hiding it under the table, and uh, he instructs Rick to go get another angle um, while he stays in the car. Uh, so they're they're filming this from two different perspectives, and gunfire breaks out. Several people. I don't know if if other patrons of the restaurant get injured. You kind of get the impression they probably do. Um, I think three cops are severely injured. Two of them die or something like that. Um, there's a car chase, really great car chase, by the way, (laughs) you know, it's a really good one. It's not very long. It's not like a Ronin car chase that goes on and on and on forever. It's just, it's really brief, but it's really great. Two police cars get are crashed during this chase and he's following so close to the police i don't know why the police don't say anything over the radio like get this asshole off my tail what's he doing or something or something yeah and he's he's saying you he's saying to rick while he's driving you know keep filming keep filming you know it's very one cut of the dead right Mm -hmm. um but (laughs) you know pull the white it's like you're right up his ass we'll get the wide angle you know and all these (laughs) sorts of things we want to get all of this uh it's just crazy i mean he's essentially he's orchestrated the deaths of all these people in a way yeah uh yeah or at least he's responsible for them Mm -hmm. he's responsible for the deaths of all these people I mean, would because they wouldn't have happened without the phone call. They wouldn't have happened if he hadn't withheld information. All of this stuff that's going on at the end here is is his responsibility, in my eyes, at least. Yeah, because and it's all just so he can sell some footage. Yeah. You know? If he had told the cops right then, the, the those guys didn't even know he was there and got footage of them. They wouldn't mm-hmm. even have known that the police were were onto them, and the arrest could have gone. A lot smoother if he had actually told them that night when it happened. But exactly. He, he doesn't you know, want and that. Then, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't care. But that whole thing where it's it's the final crash, you know, where mm-hmm. the the SUV that the surviving suspect is in crashes and lands on its side, and um, the one of the police cars smashes into it, and all this stuff that's going on. And Lou says to Rick. Uh, he's dead. Come on out here and get this shot while he's hanging way back, you know, and he goes around the front and, and he's still alive. He pulls out a gun and shoots Rick. So yeah. he is 100% responsible and even orchestrated Rick's death. Yeah. That one for sure. It's like that you, you absolutely 100% can pin it on him. Whereas, and then, and it's like he does it for revenge against Rick, and yeah. also again to get better footage, get better pay, and any and he gets more footage because he gets a shot of an innocent and bystander. That, yeah, uh, yeah, is killed. Yeah, yeah. The suspect does not. Sh- he he kind of looks like he could shoot Lou too. <laughs> that is such a creepy shot of that guy yeah. standing there and Lou just standing like. With his camera behind the van, that is so creepy looking to me. It's almost like a it's almost like a standoff. Yeah, you know, it's like we each have our weapon. Who's gonna shoot first? You know, <laughs> I mean, in a weird way. Kind of, yeah. You know? Then, then he gets distracted by the another police by the cops car and pulls up. Yeah, yeah, another police car pulls up and they and they shoot him, uh, the suspect dead, which Lou of course captures on film and then goes over and. Uh, films rick's last moments horrible guy i love rick (laughs) rick was a great guy 
I mean, he's even lecturing him about business practices as he dies. (laughs) The last thing that he hears on Earth is about how he was. You would have, but you would have betrayed me later on. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. How he was a untrustworthy employee. Just disgusting. But of course, I kind of love this next scene of of (laughs) him with Nina. The the way that this shot is framed. Because it's Nina and Lou uh, watching the footage that he's just shot. Again, with that kind of swelling, triumphant music, I think, in this scene, too. I can't remember. But it's just it's framed with them on either side and the footage in the middle. And it's like they're watching like a romance movie in a way. Yeah. Because they turn to each other and they have them both in profile. Mm -hmm. Looks like they're going to kiss. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, oh, it's amazing. It's just amazing. Of course, I want and, it too. <laughs> so it's it's very like kind of yeah, kind of sexual. It, there's an innuendo there. scene between the there's two of them. Definitely innuendo going on there, and I I think you know she comes across as very aroused in a weird way, right? <laughs> it's 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 uh, strange. Well, and that's where the whole before that is the whole uh, the gif of. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, of Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> looking at the camera, you know, where he's like, "Hey, it's Friday. You wear that tie. tie. <laughs> I can tell it's Friday by your tie." But th- this is the kind of role, and this is the kind of actor like playing it to where a, a smile is even creepier than him being yes. like the way he is the rest of the movie. That's that shot mm-hmm. of him being like, <laughs> like trying to be a normal person is so he's much putting creepier. On a mask. Putting yeah. on a facade. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so much creepier. Then this is where the assignment editor comes in, right? And says, hey, it turns out this was a drug robbery. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, we're not reporting that. That the the yeah. wealthy white people that were killed were actually involved in drugs. And he yep. says, yeah, yep. he says, that's the story. And she's like, no, the story is urban crime creeping into the suburbs. Like, she's still pushing for that. Yeah. Again, it's all about spin, and and, and she says something. He says something about Lou, and she says, mm-hmm. "I think Lou is inspiring all of us to reach a little higher." I heard that end too. Yeah, <laughs> and she has been totally manipulated by him. Mm-hmm. You know, even while she's watching him get arrested, she's kind of into it. <laughs> you know, I, I I really think by that point she is kind of fully on board with him or she's and kind of learned from i don't know she's learned from him his tenacity in a way to be more like him to get ahead because he i don't know like she maybe she sees the way he's gotten ahead so fast and in his field and she's trying to do that too i don't know because you just you just wonder like how it could actually work on him because on her because he's just he's so gross to her like in those other scenes and I, her yeah, her character kind of confuses me in a way, and I wish, wish we had more on her to kind of yeah. get into like what she's really all about and what she like her past or what she wants out of life or something. You know, like there's something like I'm not it's not really satisfying. Yeah, at the same time, I think not knowing is makes for an interesting it does. <laughs> more more interesting movie because it leaves it up to whoever else to think about and struggle with what she's doing and what she is struggling with herself if she is even struggling or if she's just like whatever yeah you know her character (laughs) is the one i I think about the most when i watch this oh way more than lou like lou it's easy he's a sociopathic apathetic asshole we get that for me it's rick in some ways because i think why does he stay with this guy (laughs) 
you know. And then okay. the other one, of course, is Nina. Um, both of them are just, they have both been kind of hypnotized by this guy mm-hmm. uh, and his success and his presence again. That, God, I don't know how to articulate it much better <laughs> than that. It's just they've, they are drawn into his spider's web. They are caught in it. And eventually he's going to devour them both. He devoured one by the end of the movie, and Nina is the next step. She's far enough gone by the end that, yeah, she'll get there eventually. Yeah. He'll use her up and move on to somebody else that can help him get to the the next, next level. Yeah, I mean, he has that whole scene where he's he's questioned by the police and, you know. I love this cop. Who is, I've seen her in other stuff. I love her. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's excellent. She doesn't believe his shit for once. No, second. but there's not really anything she can do either. <laughs> there is, though. I wonder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from from a legal standpoint, I mean, they, she, I they could totally really... subpoena his footage. They would find the extra yeah. footage that he didn't release on his computer. There has to be a way for him to get caught for this, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, he said, I made an extra copy for you. And uh, it's a the copy without the front and the back on it, you know? And so I think he just. Dis- he destroyed the footage after getting the screenshots in that earlier scene. I think that's what's happened. But they can still find um, that stuff. Oh, I just want him to get, I I know, want him I to know, get caught. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, the thing is, he's going to have an eye on him now, too. Mm-hmm. True. I really think he's going to have an eye on him. And then at the end, when he's giving a lecture to, what, three new interns? Yeah. They have, like, he's got two, fancy vans got, and T-shirts. Yeah. They've got the two vans that Joe Loader was so excited about getting a second van after what 15 years yeah. of doing that job and here he is doing it after what months, a few months we assume yeah, yeah. Uh, that's you know the dark side of this story <laughs> you know is that bad behavior is rewarded you mm-hmm. know this kind of this slimy underhanded way of working is rewarded in this world too often that's one of the big takeaways I got yeah. from this movie. I mean, it's almost like Wall Street. You know, <laughs> it's almost like a it's almost like a different it's it's the Wall Street movie themes with a different profession, you know, as the backdrop. Uh, it's that kind of a movie, that kind of a story. So I find that um, kind of a fascinating story to watch too. Yeah. I mean, it's a dark story. It's always a dark story. I mean, it's it's Wolf of Wall Street. It's it's that kind of thing you know the greed is good movie yeah it's definitely a more compelling <laughs> um, ending than seeing him get arrested and punished like he should be oh yeah you know yeah. but it's it just kind of leaves you with a little like it feels I, more real I, it feels more real it kind of <laughs> makes me laugh a little bit it's like oh my god like he's just gonna keep going and he's gotten away with all this which is why i think the the filmmakers are like it's kind of in a weird way a kind of messed up success story yeah like you're talking about where the things that normally would be like just reprehensible to other people in this environment that he's found like you said mm-hmm. yeah it's rewarded and not punished yeah and he's uh, he's the kind of person that can do that and uh not feel bad about it and keep going further and further to to get what he knows other people want from him and need from him. And in all honesty, he's the very dark mirror image of Tom 
<laughs> in broadcast news. Anyway. I think, you know, uh, Tom is obviously an on-air likable personality, charming, if a little bit stupid, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and by his own admission, you know, but he's, they're doing, they have also are, have some shady ethics. Uh, he's got some shady ethics, um, though. Like I said, what what Tom does in broadcast in broadcast news is just like it feels like nothing. Nothing, <laughs> you know. After watching <laughs> Nightcrawler, even after just watching regular news for the past, you know, twenty thirty plus years since broadcast news came out, it doesn't seem like a big deal what no. he ends up doing. Because I mean, he he has the reaction. He just added it later. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's like, is that a big deal? And it is a big deal to uh, to Jane. You you're know, saying you're so, ready to talk anyway, about broadcast news? <laughs> I think we're ready to talk about broadcast news. And I think the way that the characters are, and this is a character movie. Um, yeah, and it's very different. Nightcrawler it's similar is a, to Nightcrawler, but the structure is very different. It is. Yeah, Nightcrawler is a character movie, but it also has a really strong plot driven story to mm-hmm. it whereas broadcast news is all about the characters and the relationships yeah there are a few sort of plot points but it's not the point of the movie it's so much more about how everybody interacts with each other and long-term friendships and relationships and interactions so. it's a love triangle it's the mm-hmm. the struggle between having a, a career and having a social life, a successful yeah. social life, it's uh, it kind of brings up the thing. Like, this is from '87, so it kind of brings in the whole like working girl nine to five thing yeah. with a professional woman, you know, trying to work her way up in her field and be, be successful. And it's also like you know trying to uh, to have a love life at the same time and not really being mm-hmm. successful at that part of your life. And <laughs> I think there's also an element of you know you've got the um, attractive person who maybe lacks some substance against the substantive person that lacks attractiveness <laughs> you know? uh, who who is like her dear friend yeah. you know, albert brooks i know you said you don't like albert brooks in this movie no. but actually and he does some some you know stuff of course we'll but <laughs> I, I i think they have a friendship though where he's kind of I mean, we haven't seen all of their friendship. We haven't seen it build all the way to the point that it gets to in this movie. But they have, they have a level of friendship between Jane and um, Aaron, and Aaron, where they kind of ha- have gotten to that point where they can yell at each other a little bit and not lose that. <laughs> you know, um, it's uh, which is a hard place to be, man. It's practically a marriage. <laughs> it <is. laughs> you know, it's, it's it's without without the you're getting romance. ahead of us. Though. You're getting ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, I know. I am. I am. But yeah, I, I think you were gonna say like I love the way that the, the characters are introduced in in the movie. Yeah, as, as kids, <laughs> as kids, because <laughs> it starts out with a uh, young Tom who's kind of working. Uh, Tom who's later played by William Hurt. He's kind of the good looking anchor and it's he's working with his dad and he's he's not doing too well in school but he's he's also kind of embarrassed about like something that the the girls keep saying to him it's like well that he's he's so good looking he's like i don't even know what that means beat him off with a stick <laughs> and he says something that like but at the same time you kind of get a little bit of a feeling like maybe he does. yeah he gets it and he kind of wonders, like, you know, what can you do with your life is if all you have is that you look good? And, and then it says, like, uh, 
future network, network anchor. And news anchor. anchor. It's like that's exactly yeah. what you can do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he he kind of um cuz he has sort of crocodile tears somewhere behind his eyes in that scene <laughs> about his grades, you know? And then uh he's like, "So dad, will you sign this for me?" <laughs> you know, his report card. And it's it's almost like he manipulated it out of his yeah. dad a little bit. You know, I mean that's the way it comes across. Not not in a a Lou sort of way, not in a Lewis sort of Bloom sort of way. It's kind of like manipulating uh, the sympathy. Like I could try harder, yeah. but I'm not because I can just kind of yeah. coast. Yeah. And then we go to um, young Aaron. <laughs> young, uh, which I think he's giving his valedictorian speech. <laughs> and then after the graduation, I'm going to tell you something that's going to haunt you forever. It's really going to hurt you. You'll never make more than $19,000 a year. <laughs> Which I think is just the funniest line. And he's going like, they, you'll never write a graceful sentence or have an original thought. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, you it's so beautifully done because, I mean, Albert Brooks plays that character so well. He does. I mean, he plays that character very well in a lot of his movies because he's he, he often comes across in his movies as kind of the smartest guy in the room uh-huh. who's a little bit of a of an asshole yeah. about it. <laughs> You know, much, yeah. I mean, he's even like that in Taxi Driver <laughs> to some extent. Love it. I like the, the end of his graduation speech, too. <laughs> he's like, he says, I'm going to go to college. I'm so excited. And I forgive you. <laughs> he's talking I to forgive his, you. Yeah, that's his right. classmates that have probably bullied him. And then we go to young Jane, later played by Holly Hunter in her like, I think this was like her big debut Pretty role. Early. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, 87, that was the same year as Raising Arizona, right? I don't know. So, I mean, I think with the one-two punch of those, those were the ones that... Um, she wasn't as uh, known, but... No, yeah. no, 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 yeah. for sure. She's so... God, she is like the crown jewel of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it shows her as a young wonderful. kid at first. She's she's up late um, writing on her little typewriter to her pen pals and um, like when her dad comes in to tell her to go to bed, she just kind of like freaks out, like, ah, <laughs> you scared me. And like, that's that's when it comes up or it says a future news producer, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like someone in that like pressure situation. It's kind of funny. And then she uh, she has a whole thing uh, argument with her dad about his use uh, of the word obsessive to her <laughs> and it kind of establishes her character in that way that again she is very smart she's also kind of weird in the way that she thinks about things she overthinks about things oh yeah i think is what it is absolutely okay so i i just want to make sure we don't get any any flack on this okay so her this was about her you know like eighth movie okay. ninth movie but her screen debut was in the Burning from the the slasher movie from 1981. She was. <laughs> She's. I feel like I know that, burning. but I can't remember her in it. She's way, 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 way down the cast list. But uh, yeah, she's in there all right. Well, um, I didn't mean this was like her debut. I meant this. I think this was no, her no, breakout. This is her, her breakout this is her role. Biggest. This is her breakout role, and um, actually, uh, she was in Racing Arizona. Says before this, but I mean, she did like four movies in in 1987. Sheesh! But apparently, she has a. I f- had forgotten that she was in Blood Simple. Yeah, she's not even credited. She's a voice no. in uncredited voice in Blood Simple. Cool. And before uh, Raising Arizona, Raising Arizona, along with this, were her big breaks. I think. Yeah. 
So this was a bigger film at the time than Raising Arizona, though. The Coens were just kind of indie back then. Yeah. You know, James L. Brooks was sort of a big deal. Um, so doing this was boon to her career for sure. And she's so great in this. She's so oh my perfect. gosh. She really, like you said, she's the jewel of this movie. She really is. And, she totally um, takes she's on the, this. She's the heart. I mean, if you don't have her, you, I, honestly, she should have top billing. She has third billing, but she's the star. She's the central character. She's of all if there's the characters. a protagonist. If she's a if there's a protagonist, and it's an ensemble piece, but if there's a protagonist, it's her. She's the one who drives everything that happens in the movie. Yeah. She is already, of course, friends with Aaron. She and Aaron have a have a longtime friendship, clearly, and are extremely close. And I think that I really like their kind of easy banter they have. (laughs) It's uh, one of the things that's really fun about it. But there's obviously some a little bit of romantic tension from his side. But he also I I don't think is particularly creepy or weird about it or tries not to be. He's attracted to her. He likes her, but he's not. He's mean about it. All about it. He's mean. Later (laughs) on about it. Later on. Yes. Awful to her later on. Yeah, but early in the film, you don't really, it does not really, it doesn't seem like that really starts happening until- Until Tom comes in. Until Tom comes into the picture. And it's his jealousy that sort of brings mm-hmm. out the worst in him. Yeah. So, okay, the first scene really with Jane is also another funny thing uh, having to do with her character. They're obviously like on assignment somewhere. She's calling the coworkers and it's like, meet me down in the lobby in, you know, in 30 minutes or whatever. And she has that thing where she she does her like scheduled crying time, <laughs> which she does right. several points in the movie. You, like You wonder like where that's that's coming from at the at first but you kind of get mm-hmm. like as the movie goes on like this is just something just as the the practical like organized person that she is it's like it's like this is something that she has figured out that she kind of needs to do even if there's nothing to cry about she's like oh i should probably just go ahead and get this out in some way now like i have time right now we'll do my scheduled crying time <laughs> even if she doesn't have yeah. anything going on in her you know what i mean yeah it's like she's figured out like this is the way so I don't maybe so I don't break down later. I'll just do this now and get right. it out of the way. And had sets up that whole thing where she unplugs the phone yeah. and uh, all those things that that happen. Well, is is that where she she has the speech? Yeah. For for the uh, oh man, brutal, <laughs> brutal. <laughs> brutal. She gets up there. Well, she's speaking against this whole thing about you know, sort of the fakeness of the news. Mm-hmm. It's like instead of talking about you know, this big nuclear whatever that was going on. Instead, we showed this video of all these networks showed this video of this dominoes competition. And then (laughs) while the video is playing, everyone cheers and oohs and ahs. And it's like, yeah, I know it's great video. And it's like, they're totally not getting the point. Yeah, Um, It's it's kind of, I'm not against fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird because it's, it's kind of the same in a way, similar to the theme in, in Nightcrawler about hard-hitting news. What she's talking about is news versus fluff or versus yeah. just entertainment, infotainment. Yeah. Yeah, I think. she is. She is. And wanting to actually darker. tell real stories. Yeah. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's what Nightcrawler, like, should have been instead of, like, let's get the bloodiest, goriest thing ever. Like, no, let's yeah. actually tell the real news. Let's keep people actually informed about what's going on. That's what Jane's yeah. concern is. It's a very similar theme, uh, though, f- from sort of 
a darker and lighter side, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's like, have we got in Nightcrawler? It's like, have we gone too dark? Absolutely. Whereas absolutely <laughs> with, yeah, I, I agree. Um, whereas, whereas in broadcast news, it's like, are we too light? I mean, are we just entertainment tonight now? Mm-hmm. There's a funny line in this too. Uh, when we first see Tom sitting there with some blonde lady and she says, and Tom, he's kind of impressed by her and her knowledge. And he's like, wow. And the lady he's sitting with says, oh, I know. I've known so many women like that. They don't, they don't like their looks. So they're angry. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. (laughs) Which is so harsh. There's so many little lines like that throughout this movie. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, after her speech, um, Tom goes up and introduces himself and says he's really impressed with her and wants wants to learn and um she's very open with him right away she's like they hated me and she's she's another like kind of quirky weird character or she's she seems very like off-putting at first but then it's like you know let's go, let's go to dinner and let's talk let's keep talking you want to come to my hotel room and, and keep talking and he goes yeah. along with it and this is where he kind of reveals his character you know throughout the movie what he's he's going to be dealing with is that he he got the job as a as an anchor um, like on a fluke like he was just a sports guy before and that he admits that he doesn't really understand what he's talking about most of the time when he's anchoring he's not he just doesn't have a head for that kind of information is all it really is like it's not that he's dumb or whatever like i don't have a head for that kind of information sometimes either like right really no he's not really in depth like political and stuff like that like no right though his his it's not that he's stupid he's not He's not book smart. Yeah. He's 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 a different kind of intelligent. Yeah, I think fine. he's he's excellent with people. He's and he does have a lot of intelligence in how he portrays the news and how he how he shares it. He knows how to help people understand things even if he doesn't he knows how to read it at least yeah. in a way that is compelling and um, he knows, even as if he, he says, doesn't understand he knows how to be the even if he doesn't person. understand the nuance of it yeah the, he's selling he's able to sell himself yeah, yeah exactly he's one of those people that you trust and i think william hurt does a really good job of portraying that as he's not even though he's not classically book smart he's not a moron yeah He's not drooling and dragging his knuckles or something like that he, at all. It's it's he's he's a different kind of intelligent. I think that's well done. But when he admits that he doesn't really understand what he's what's going on, he's not so in into the, I don't know how to say it. Like he's not so up on the latest news around the world. Like she kind of gets uh she gets on a him. little yeah. upset with him for that. Like that he's he's gotten to this point and he doesn't really know what he's doing. And she's just like, stop whining and go out there and, and learn how to do it. And actually like apply yourself and learn things, get a job at a different place. Like, cause you're not right for this. That's the big thing with her right. is that he's not right for the job that he has. Right. And you know, he says to her there, I hated the way you talked to me just now. And it's not just because you were right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a smart statement. It is. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's just kind of proof that he's more than just a quote pretty face. Yeah, you know? um, he does have a pretty face. <laughs> he is. He's uh, William Hurt at this time. You know, he was hot, um, <laughs> not just in the sense of attractiveness, but in the sense of being very sought after. I mean, people. He was in a lot of great movies, a lot of big movies. You said someone he was, was in, hot before me. I, I What's know. What's up with that? I, 
Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. <laughs> but then, you know, he gets uh, he calls her and say, and and tells her that, well, your network just hired me as the anchor. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just so uh, that's part I of I thought that was a cute little manipulation on his part too. Like Showing yeah. that he's got the smarts. Like, uh, I was telling you all that because, uh, yeah, I got a job there and I'll be seeing you at work. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which kind of makes yeah. her uh, maybe a little more attracted and intrigued by him. Because she doesn't seem to be in that the hotel scene. Yeah. She's very put well, off by uh, what he's told her, at least. But yeah. there's still well, attraction. And when, when she and Aaron are talking, it's like, but this other guy had an incredible audition why didn't they have that person come in you know this summary like a reporter for the times or something like that so they don't really get it yet i don't think because they haven't seen him actually on air at this point that's another great scene i think for their friendship too is that this kind of seems like a thing that they they do all the time they call each other and they they talk about their problems because at one point he's like okay Mm -hmm. okay now can we do me and talk about what I'm going through <laughs> as if it's just like a thing that they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love his one line here um, that Aaron has. Like, wouldn't it be great if insecurity and desperation were attractive? <laughs> <laughs> if being needy were a turn on? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> because that's like yeah. all of us right <laughs> now, I think. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so this whole sequence where they're getting the piece together on the veterans return home. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I, I also like this because Aaron again shows, hey, hey, stop. You got to watch this part where the <laughs> where the veteran just says, fuck, fuck, yeah. fuck, like five times. And she just starts laughing because he, he's like he stopped her essentially to get her to laugh. Because, yeah. you know, obviously it's like they, they can't use that. But it was he kind of knew what could make her kind of. Yeah chill out for a minute i think too and that's one thing i think aaron knows her so intimately you know (laughs) it it makes it it makes it all the harder when he does kind of do her wrong yeah i do love this whole sequence as as someone said in the this uh, criterion booklet essay about this movie one of my favorite points that this author pointed out uh carrie ricky um is that this scene is kind of like the chase scene of the movie of them like yeah. trying to get that footage done and get it to the controller room before airtime i love that this whole sequence is fantastic <laughs> dissolve to the right well now should i just a two second dissolve jesus we have three minutes why do you do this to me is it because i won an award Homecoming, Norman Rockwell's enduring portrait. The return of a fighting man has always been one of the more moving ceremonies of war. We have a minute and a half. It's my responsibility to tell the control room and New York that we won't be ready. Uh Uh-uh, we'll be ready. In 84 seconds, 15 seconds. Oh, God. You're saying, oh, God. Lay it in, Bobby. Back out. They're going to go up and the screen will be black, and they're going to go to black because we're not there. What about careers, huh? We're not going to make it. Whoops. Whoops! 
Well, I mean, you have Joan Cusack who's sort of freaking out. That, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. And then she's running down the hallways with the tape and they put it in the machine just in time. Yeah. You know, all that stuff that's going on. It's great. And, well, the, and then they J- show Jane's the footage want, and then we. Well, Jane's wanting to like add in something that, that is going to make it better. But they're like, we're not going to have time. And one of my favorite parts is when uh, they're. They've got it done, and they're, they're waiting for the guy with the tape. Uh, his name's Bobby to uh, to get it done. And just Holly, they're all kind of yelling at him, but Holly Hunter is just there going, "Bobby, Bobby, 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 Bobby." Over yeah. and, over again. And, th- and then he goes, and then he goes, "Oops!" <laughs> Don't say "oops." <laughs> it's one of my it's favorite great. sequences and, in the movie. Well, and then you see um, the national anchor played uh, in a cameo by jack nicholson um, as bill which is which is is pretty great i mean it's it's a nice little extended cameo Mm -hmm. um obviously he had done uh terms of endearment with james l brooks before and would later do uh one of his oscar winning performances for him as well and as good as it gets so i think they had a good uh relationship this was around the time that he was gonna be the joker (laughs) not too much later than this um so this was uh jack nicholson sort of at that um the height of a certain kind of power that he had uh as an actor so which and playing a not have the height of his powers and playing playing uh playing a role like that is sort of nice and really small but really kind of juicy and fun to play it seems like and clearly, it seems like one that he did. I'm sure he was paid well, but I mean, but kind of did as a favor to a friend is the way it comes across because it's that small of a role. He's like, eh, I like working with this guy. I'll do it for him. You know, that sort of thing. And I like that about it, uh, even though it's such a minor role. But I mean, it also gives a sense of importance to the role because that, that character needs to be instantly impressive. Yeah. Because everybody is impressed by that guy or they have to be because he's kind of the he's, he's the national anchor, but he seems to be kind of in charge of everything. It seems like has the biggest influence yes. over the entirety of the network, even if he isn't technically the boss of it. So I think that is a smart casting choice. Totally. And like everybody at the station like you get that sense in this first kind of time when we see him when he's watching that that package that they've put together like this is the guy we have to impress because they're like oh bill smiled i haven't seen bill smile in weeks that means he liked it and like that's a big deal to these guys yeah because i mean if they're noticed by him it means advancement Mm -hmm. it means the next level it means all sorts of things it means that I have a job tomorrow, which as the movie goes on, we realize uh, that's a big deal because yeah. there is a lot of turnover. You know, they're having to slash a huge number of jobs by the end of the movie. Uh, anyway, then they have that whole trip down to Central America. It's just so interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of it's... a similar thing again to Nightcrawler mm-hmm. where they're, uh, yeah, they're, I don't know what the story is exactly. Some kind of... Um, infighting that's going on down there mm-hmm. and they're kind of with some of the soldiers in the in the middle of it and <laughs> well at first she has the thing um jane does where the guy is the camera guy is is shooting with the soldiers like and he tells him like to one of the soldiers like okay go ahead and put on put on your boot so i can get a shot of it basically is what he's saying and she yeah. comes in and is like no 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 we're not here to stage the news we're here to just film what actually happens so sir <laughs> it's kind of a funny scene because like 
Yeah. He was going to put his boot on anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like, sir, just do whatever you would normally do. It's your choice. Yeah. <laughs> but then um, later on, it's Jane and Aaron. They're in the middle of this firefight. Like he's reporting on it. He's on camera. But where you can hear gunshots in the background and they're talking about how they're going to put the piece together, you know? Mm-hmm. It's another thing about getting the best footage, getting the best story, putting it together the best way. Yeah. And that's all they care about, even though they're in a very dangerous situation at the moment. Oh, for sure. And it's it's weird because it's the one sequence in the movie that's sort of out in the field um, mm-hmm. that doesn't it almost feels detached from the rest of the movie, because even when you see. For example, uh, the story that Tom does, the first big story that he does where he's interviewing the general, you only see it on the television. Mm-hmm. You never see it actually in the field. It's an it's a strange sequence in the movie, the the whole Central American sequence. I like it. I, like it I, I mean, I don't have a I don't have a problem with it, but it's just weird in the movie because it's so different from the rest of the movie, which is so bound to the studio and to dc and the and that area you know Um, well like you were saying before like kind of off mm -hmm. mic this movie is a lot more episodic and like it really there's a lot of just yeah there's a lot of random scenes like it doesn't have as much of a doesn't flow quite as well or as tight as something like nightcrawler but it's like but it's not really the point no it's like all these little scenes about that just kind of add it's character building and getting to know more about Mm -hmm. these guys and what they're like and their relationships to each other you also see, I think, the substance of Aaron and Jane, you know, that they are really willing to get into the trenches mm-hmm. to do something dangerous, even in order to get their story. Whereas you don't really see that with Tom, no. <laughs> you know, you, you, you don't. He's he's always going to be in his suit. He's always going to be somewhere relatively safe, whereas they're like in the middle of the shit as it were uh in that sequence and then she has her private crying time on the dock <laughs> there um at the at the end of the sequence but it's another part of aaron's jealousy too is this first story that tom does mm-hmm. because tom includes in this story um a shot of himself like yes. asking the question which uh, we didn't really i don't never did anything like that unless it was like to camera you know when i made packages for the news like that was always kind of a no-no like because you're not the story the people that you're talking to and about are the story that's just like a little hint that i think aaron gets it annoys him but he also kind of like oh this guy is a little like narcissistic maybe about it and as he tells jane several times throughout the movie it's like he represents he he personifies everything that you're against in this industry and the way that it's moving forward like he keeps trying to talk her out of being into this guy basically yeah, because he's the devil. He's the devil. As he's, <laughs> he's not the devil. Uh, then there's... Oh, but he is. <laughs> and then they go to um, this party. Uh, I think it's Paul's party. I forget who it is for exactly. And like um, a big story breaks out while they're all right. at this party. Oh, there's a funny, <laughs> there's a funny line here too with Paul because Paul... Paul is one of the main, I think he's like an assignment editor or producer at the station. And he wants Tom to live. Is it going to be a live shot, live anchor? Yeah. This story, very like something not that he can, he can't 
rehearse it or anything. He's just got to be ready mm-hmm. and be on it. And Jane tells him that, uh, you know, he doesn't, she doesn't think Tom is ready for this, is not right for this. And like the conversation that they have outside when she's telling him that is what yeah. I have two favorite lines in this movie. <laughs> this is one of them where Paul says to her, it must be nice to always believe you know better, to always, um, to always, to always, th- be the to always think you're the, the smartest room. person in the room. And her response is, no, it's awful. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I, the thing is, it's, it's so funny. <laughs> funny. It's funny. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of there poignance is. to that. Because the, the way that's all delivered is like, it's like, it must be nice to think you're the smartest person in the room. And she says, it's awful. Because <laughs> you, you can actually, the way, Hunter delivers that is so sincere. Mm-hmm. It's like she's about to just break down in tears. Kind of. I actually, I actually wrote that down because I felt it. I yeah, yes, I you think it's get it. yeah. funny. Yes, I think it's funny. But at the same time, it's like I think she actually is the smartest person in the room, though, and that she is always right. And it's her downfall. Sometimes. She know she knows it. She knows it, but it's she's not necessarily narcissistic about it. You know? She's just too confrontational and in yeah. your face with people about it. She's yeah. again, it's another kind of similar thing where like she she has a hard time relating to people in that way where she maybe she's you know been bullied as a kid for always being like a smart like overachiever you know she was probably like being obsessive yeah being obsessive (laughs) she was probably like president of her class or you know stuff like that and she's probably dealt with that her whole life so yeah i do see a lot more behind the even though it is a very funny line like the way she delivers it is a very funny line and it's (laughs) a lot more to describe it's hard to describe uh without just watching it or seeing it happen because because to me it's it's weirdly poignant while also being funny and i think that's one of mel uh, mel brooks uh (laughs) james l brooks's strengths Mm -hmm. he does that a lot in his movies where you have something that's funny or can be read as funny but also has a real sincerity and emotion behind it that makes it sort of doubly powerful that's kind of a lot of the lines and scenes in this in this movie in particular are like Mm -hmm. that yeah you know and i haven't seen every james l brooks movie or the mary tyler moore show actually (laughs) but um i have uh seen plenty of the simpsons Simpsons, which he has a a big hand in and there's there's definitely that emotional layer which is why that show i think continues to i mean gosh it's been on for 30 years now crazy and i mean it's not what it used to be it's different very different show that it used to be but that's what got it going in the first place was there was always a sense that they're there for each other the characters are there for each other even when they kind of have you know (laughs) really funny you know even elements of hatred for each other (laughs) at times you know and you see that in his live action stuff too you see that here i think you see it in as good as it gets for sure Uh, spanglish is fine i mean i it's i haven't seen it since the theater i remember liking it at the time but i don't know i think that's the last movie he he did um but in terms of endearment is i haven't seen it yet i own it you haven't haven't seen seen it no i know shocking (sighs) i'm on summer vacation maybe i could watch it on (laughs) some point here i have so many movies on my list right (laughs) it's unbelievable Um, 
Never, 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 never. Um, so anyway, the control room scene during the live broadcast. I think this is sort of the centerpiece of the whole movie. It is. I think uh, so. This is where, um, and this mirrors the, like we were talking about with Nightcrawler, that scene where she's feeding the anchors while they're showing the footage. And this is interesting because it adds one more thing because you also have Aaron at home <laughs> kind of getting drunk. Listening to French, <laughs> some kind of French, French pop music, music. Yeah. and then he's doing this like, whole "I can sing while I read." And then turning it right off again, so he doesn't want to see it. Yeah, because he's yeah. jealous. I, it's it's very fun. Uh, uh, he has a, he has a line here: a lot of alliteration from anxious anchors placed in powerful posts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I wrote that one down, but it was just funny. Um, but you do have this whole thing where. He actually feeds her an important piece of knowledge too. Yeah, well, about the about the the F fourteens, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he had interviewed somebody involved before, and yeah, it's that whole thing. It's a very cool thing about the news. Like he says, like, oh, I say it here, it comes out there. Like five seconds later, yeah, that immediacy of it, and the fact that they can they can pull this off because it's live, and they do it really well. I remember I, I was a director, like I said. For news. So mm-hmm. I've been in that whole like control room situation. It wasn't the same as it is here or really even in Nightcrawler because I worked at a very small station. It wasn't like me in front of one of those like giant boards. We had one, but we didn't use it. It was just a computer, really a couple of computers that I ran the whole show on because I would run the um, the two hour morning newscast was kind of the last position I had there before I was laid off. Thanks very much. <laughs> Oh my! But yeah. I did. But yeah, I have been in that position, and it was really cool to just be in the control room. And like, um, we didn't have camera people either. The cameras were automated; they were on tracks to where like they were programmed okay. to go to certain shots. That I would just have to like you know push a button, and the the camera would go to that certain that particular shot. And yeah, it's just it's a really cool environment to to, to be in to like talk to the anchors while they're on the air. I've done that before. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, switch camera too. You know, if there's a problem or something and it's not like like you see it wasn't like that for me i guess at a bigger station it would be because it was really just when i was running the two hour morning newscast it was me the anchors the weatherman and one producer is the only people running the whole show that's how we were able to do it the producers would have everything ready beforehand really with all the the chirons and the graphics and putting the shots in there but just yeah the being all automated on the program but we had all the all the TVs up there and just being in the control room felt very cool. And I was good at it. And it was sometimes, usually it ran very smoothly, but sometimes there was like kind of high pressure things where things would go wrong. And sure. so, yeah, I was t- I've totally been in that environment and it can be like that. It can be really kind of intense. And it if, and when you're done with it, you're like, oh, we pulled it off. We did it. Feel good. You feel right. good about it. That's kind of what happens in this scene too, because it's going really smoothly. And um, I- I'm always amazed at the way that anchors are able to talk and listen to someone in their ear at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I could never, ever that do that. That would take some work. <laughs> I would never be able to do that. But Tom, it's another point, like we were talking about before with Tom, like he's, he's very good at, even if he doesn't know what he's talking about, he knows how to say it. He knows how to sell it. Yeah. And he's very mm-hmm. good at like... Um, dealing with all these different situations like he has to he has to read from the prompter he has to listen to jane he has to interview a live you know there's a live interview that they they get somebody that's involved with the story that he has to talk to and he does it so well and then yeah at the end when they've they pulled it all off 
everyone's like super congratulatory and they're like oh that was great yeah. and, then, um, and then like we were we were talking about with um tom and jane later on like uh, and again in this criterion essay that i was talking about like she describes that as like the sex scene of the movie yeah well i mean he he comes to her and he's like looking at her it's like it was amazing having you inside my head yeah. it was like great sex yeah you know and all that stuff but even before that while they're still she's she's there's this part where she just picks up the some i can't remember who she's talking to just yells at him on the phone okay, yeah. like, you're fat ass grow or whatever i can't remember what he said what she says exactly and then the response from paul is i had no idea she was this good yeah. <laughs> you know? i mean it's just it's very and for, funny and at first you know? tom kind of like plays with her because she's testing his earpiece and he's not responding and she's like he can't hear me he can't hear me he needs to be able to hear me and and he kind of goes like, I can hear I can you. Hear you. I was fucking with yeah. you. You know, he doesn't say that, but it's essentially what he means. Yeah. yeah. And then as as he says later on, they they get into this rhythm and like the way that it's shot, yeah. like the way she talks to him is like real, like, oh, that's good. That's good. You're doing good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they do like those weird kind of, um, there's like a, uh, what is it called? The, I think it's like a split after shot almost where it's like you kind of just see their ear and then like, you know, they, they show like his earpiece and then right. her yeah. talking to him through that. It's just it's shot mm-hmm. very, very interestingly. And yeah, they treat it like it's a, a really sexy scene. Like they get into this. Like he's talking about like they, we get into a rhythm and it just it mm-hmm. worked out so well. And <laughs> I just kind of I love that this is described as the sex scene because I never thought of that before. But it's so true. Well, and what's funny is at the end of it all, what does Paul say? He says, wasn't Tom great? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, well, sure, but. So was Jane <laughs> and to some extent, even Aaron, yeah, because, you know, it was just like, it was, yeah, it was, it was like they needed everyone for it to come off. It's the everybody it in the control I mean, room too. Everyone else in the come control on. room too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, and, but I mean, at least those three for the purposes of the movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but, but then of course it is everybody. You know, that's in the control room doing their job because everyone in there is tuned in to what, you know, Jane is trying to do, what Tom's doing. And, you know, and also, you know, the people on the floor, you know, running the cameras, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you got all sorts of things happening at the same time here. And then, okay, so after that, when she she goes and sees Aaron, Mm -hmm. he kind of reveals to her. I think she knows that he's in love with her. (laughs) He, and and she says he says I wish you were two people I was just so gonna I could say call this the too. one yeah so I could call the one that's my friend and tell her all about the one I like so much yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's sweet it's sweet it's sort of sort of a wonderful moment and you know even though and but he's also I think a hundred percent aware that it ain't gonna happen yeah I just I have. Yeah, I do have a hard time because with his character, because I really, really don't like him in a lot of scenes, just because he seems like that whiny guy that was put in the thing that doesn't exist, the friend zone, and he's pissed about it. And he's awful to her because of that. But then also, Mm -hmm. it's like, she also doesn't seem kind of as hurt by some of the things that he says to her when he's really mad in in certain scenes. You know, like when she tells him that she may be in love with Tom and his immediate response is get out, get out of my house. Right. We don't get enough, I think, of their friendship to um, 
to fully understand the dynamic or like what all they've been through, like yeah. to get to the point where they are now. But they are at a very interesting point to where they they like you said, like they can yell at each other, but have it be there being like an understanding between the two of them. Yeah, I just I don't like the way that he he treats her because that's not that's not how a friend treats her. No, I, <laughs> that's I not agree. How you treat I mean, somebody. <laughs> that's that's not the way I would treat a friend. But at the same time, like you said, I think I think we don't a hundred percent know. We have a pretty good idea that they've been close, mm-hmm. like intimate friends for a long time, and it is at a point where they kind of know when they don't really mean it. Yeah, because I'm not sure that even when he says get out and all that stuff that he entirely means it because well, he immediately backtracks and so he's like get out yeah. get out come back here come sit down <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i i think he's very much i think it's very much that kind of a thing where it's because i mean she could be just as <laughs> i think she could probably hit him just as hard oh, sure. i think that capability is there um but she doesn't seem to do as much as he does he, she does he she says some awful things to her especially later on it's also kind of yeah. an interesting thing that maybe even we could talk about now, like just the whole idea of uh, close relationships between men and women without any kind of romantic thing right. involved. Like you always, I get a little tired of seeing that. They're like, oh, we've been friends for so long. This means we need to be together. It's like, that does that's not what it means. No, no it doesn't. Um, the fact that, I mean, spoiler for the end of the movie, the fact that they don't end up together is much more authentic. Yes. Because he obviously is with somebody else. The fact <laughs> that the none of them movie. end up together is much more authentic yeah, to this movie. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that becomes, that's the cliche of movies much more it is than it is the reality yeah. of life. That, you know, intimate friends who are men and women are not always when Harry met Sally, you know. Yeah. Um, where they ultimately do end up together. Yeah, I think this is... I mean, I love When Harry Met Sally. I'm not trying to <laughs> shit on that movie, but I think that is probably much rarer than the reality. I think something like this feels more real as far as those kinds of relationships go. Uh, even though, you know, in this case, you have... Aaron is clearly... He wishes there could be more. Yeah. You just kind of yeah. wish you see more stuff like this in movies where it is a really close relationship between people of the opposite sex where there's nothing romantic going on at all because those yeah. relationships obviously exist and are probably, yeah. I don't know if they're more healthy, but that sometimes they feel they can feel more intimate than if, if it was someone of your, your same sex in a way. Like I always, sometimes I find myself like I'm kind of more apt to go to my male friends sometimes than my feel, female friends about certain things. I don't know what it is exactly, but I right. just kind of wish you see more of that because those can be really beautiful relationships to see, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. Because we're best friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay. Okay, so this is this is when there's that there uh, there's a lot of parties in this movie. Yeah. It seems like <laughs> there is. Um, they're kind of uh, there's this conversation between Aaron and Tom when <laughs> when t- uh, Tom says, "What do you do when your real life exceeds your dreams?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Aaron says keep it to yourself (laughs) i think that is uh that's a very telling line for for both characters you know this is a great scene between between the two of them between the two of them it's it's, this is one of my favorite scenes between those two characters is this is probably my favorite scene between these two characters actually because they don't have a lot of scenes together Mm -hmm. and this is one where he says you know where Tom also says, I promised myself I would never pretend to know more than I do. And then he and then immediately Aaron starts 
starts quizzing him. Mm-hmm. Can you name the members of the cabinet? All 12 of them? Oh, there are only 10. You know, he's just yep. kind of fucking with him. And he's, it's so, done exactly, he's, an, he's done exactly yeah. what he said he wasn't going to do immediately yep. after saying that. Yep. And, um, you know, but at the same time, you know, Aaron's being just like he was in high school, <laughs> you know, where he's trying to bait the jocks, quote unquote. To prove which that is he's essentially smarter. what he's doing. Yeah, to prove that he's smarter and in his mind better. Yeah. I don't in think I mind. don't think he's better than Tom though. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Both of them have pretty shitty characteristics. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting scene and and it's funny again but it has that sort of dark underpinning to it. Oh, this is when um Jennifer is that the same party scene or whatever when Jennifer another uh woman from the station or was that before? I don't remember what. There's so many little I scenes don't... that I forget exactly what comes after another but yeah there's another woman at the station that is interested in tom and very sweetly asked jane for you know permission to to go after him and it's kind of a cute little thing when jennifer is telling her like i won't do it if you don't mind and then jane's like i think i do mind you know (laughs) she's Mm kind of realizing that she's she's into him and then yeah and then there's something that like totally puts her off and and Jennifer and Tom end up having another weird little scene. I think um, after the the cafe where Jane kind of runs into them at the cafe, you know, and yeah. then it shows Jennifer uh-huh. and Tom at her place. And this scene like has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. The converting the bedroom into a closet yeah. and all that other <laughs> stuff. Yeah. But you kind of get us. It's, it's again, it's about Tom's character mm-hmm. because, hey, it's. Hey, you can see all your clothes. Exactly. You can see all the stuff, which is appearances and things that are important to him. You know, frankly, the way you present yourself and the way you are seen is a big element of Tom's character. He needs to always sort of be projecting this image, this selling himself image, you know. Or but, that he can, uh, in this maybe in the scene specifically, just the way that he's able to... Um, to get in good with people, compliment yeah. them in the right way that they need to hear too. Like another, like just mm-hmm. being that good salesman again. Cause yeah. he could, you see him like looking around at her like cluttered closet and he, maybe he thinks it's a little weird or whatever, but he says, no, this is great. What you're doing yeah. is great. It's like, he's putting on a, a show for her too. Yeah. I think, you know, he is, I don't know that he's a dangerous manipulator, but he's a manipulator. I don't think he is, no. Yeah, but I think he knows how to impress people. Mm -hmm. He knows how to make people feel good, uh, you know, about themselves or about him. I I think that is something he, it's, it's not, it's not like a... It's not a dangerous form of manipulation, I don't think like so. no. in in the sense of of like Lewis Bloom. Yeah. I think it's present in there in this person that again he's a salesman. He's selling. He's constantly selling himself, mm. whether he's on air or not. It's not dangerous. I don't think he's a bad guy at all. It's just no. It's just dishonesty and not being real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which he kind of he tries. To, he does have that side to him. I think. The whole um, the, the the idea that he comes up because he realizes that he has to do he's going to have to produce and report on a story like, you know, from start to finish on his own to kind of prove himself yes. um, as a reporter and as an anchor. And he uh, he tells Jane about this idea for a story about date rape, which is mm-hmm. her reaction to that is really weird. She just goes, eh. 
which yeah. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, this was also a I know, time. I know. I mean, this it's was just, it was it was a it was just being started. Yeah, because part something like this was being dis- is like, discussed. Yeah, when we hear the audio from his story, yeah, they were saying it's it's, it's a new thing called date rape. Yeah, which is interesting. I mean, but it, was, um, it wasn't obviously it wasn't new. It was new. It was, finally, it was something they had it was finally identified named. And na- um, named yeah. There's a weird line in there too. It was like, I think this is Jane and Tom, where she says, "So you like me?" Uh, yeah, I wrote says, that down much, too. <laughs> as much as <laughs> I like you, as much as I can like anyone who thinks I'm an asshole. Exactly. <laughs> There's lots of good lines like that. There is. Anyway, but that date rape video, and they show they cut to him again, and he has a tear in his eye mm-hmm. after hearing uh, this woman's story, and they have this converse that conversation that they have between uh, Jane. And Tom, where she says, well, it moved me. She's she's talking about how it got to her, even though she wasn't normally wouldn't be crazy about having a situation where you show the reporter mm-hmm. again and the reporter's reaction to something. And it sort of takes uh, Tom to the next level again, you know, because you see in that scene gets, where there everybody in the newsroom is watching that story. Everybody is like. Again, and, very and moved Aaron's, and very, very into it. I love that little moment between Blair yeah. and Jane when she just kind mm-hmm. of, you know, touches her and is like, my cousin Donna, like, you know, like we know this, You're something right. like this has happened before. Yeah. Someone that she knows. And, oh, fuck. And this is where I also, this is another reason why I hate Aaron is in this scene. I know, I know. That's what I was <laughs> just going to say where he gets up and says, oh, can I turn on the news here? Mm-hmm. You know, sex and tears. This must be the news. It's like, well, fuck you. Yes, it is. This is yeah. a very important yeah. thing. This is an important story. And, you know, <laughs> but I I think he's not opposed to, my impression anyway, he's not opposed to the story. I know. He's not opposed to that discussion. I think he, what he's, bothers him is the cut to him crying on camera. I know. It's 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 jealousy and stuff, but yeah. I also obviously have strong feelings about this. And you shouldn't say oh, that course. kind of shit As, out loud. No. That no. is harmful language. Well, you should, Don't say that stuff. I hate that. Of course. Of course. You really blew Definitely the lid off clear. Nookie. Fuck you. Like Yeah, that that line is awful. That's awful. Yeah. That is definitely uh, a, a line to uh, hate Aaron over. I know, um, and I and I, I know I, I know definitely. that it's just mostly jealousy, and then he doesn't really feel mm-hmm. it, but I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that. I understand that for sure. And you know. Oh, and then there's a the funny scene. Oh, we forgot about how Jane sent Jennifer off to Alaska <laughs> oh. after she's seen um, her and Tom together. And there's yeah, there's just a funny moment after after this because well, she hadn't sent her off to Alaska. There was a story going on in Alaska, and. and She's asked, like, who do we want to send there? And she's immediately like, Jennifer, send her away. Get her away from Tom. That's right. And then there's like a little moment after everyone's congratulating Tom on his story where you see her reporting from Alaska. And just a funny little right. moment. Just the movie has a lot of those. Yeah. And that in that same meeting is where you have the whole thing where they're going to yeah. have to make big cuts. And so Aaron gets pulled aside by, oh, what's the character's name? Ernie. The older guy. Yeah, I love his and Jane relate Jane's relationship. Yeah, and that actor uh, is terrific. I've he's in tons of stuff, of course. uh, And I'm I'm terrible. I wrote it down. Robert Prosky. Yes, he's excellent in this. And for me, I know him as Darnell from Christine. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) 
So he's wonderful. And yeah. he's really great in this. And he's really good in the scene because, you know, he pulls aside Aaron and just they kind of takes him out and says, hey, you're on the chopping block mm-hmm. here. And there's this whole exchange where it's like, well, p- put me on as an anchor. You know, get me on there. And it's just, it's, all right, and I'll set you up to have someone coach you in your performance. Not the writing of it, but the presenting of it and all this other stuff. And I love this line where he says, where Aaron says, I think I better go be alone for a while. And he says, I'll go with you. <laughs> it's just like, which is exactly what was the right thing to do, of course, yeah. in that scene. And it's so good. And and then, of course, who is the one who's coaching him? But Tom. Tom. And he's very and good thing, at this. And he's very he good. Knows he's exactly telling him to sit doing. on it. He's telling him to sit on his jacket so it doesn't bunch up and, and all these different things. and Not to um, to read the lines a certain way, like, because it makes your eyes yeah. look shifty. And, um, yeah. So he's he's good. He knows what he's doing as an anchor, even mm-hmm. if he's not so good at the news part of it, which is right. They both have opposite strengths, obviously. You know, Tom, Tom is the good on camera person and Aaron is good with the news and the writing of it all. Yeah. And this is where it comes in with the whole, you're selling them the idea of you, mm-hmm. you know, and you got to get them to trust you. This leads to probably the big sort of comedy, <laughs> I, I guess, so. sequence of the movie where where his, uh, well, I mean, some of the things that are kind of funny, like he sees Jane and she gives him her shoulder pads oh, that is a cute <laughs> for his moment. suit, which is really cute. A little tailor. Aw, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or he goes when he goes over to have her help him pick out an outfit, and he's like, "Which tie?" And she's like, "Oh, you brought all of them." <laughs> <laughs> it's great, cute little moments um, between the two of them. Yeah, but you know that of course he his you see his eyes shifting, and then they put on the makeup on him. It's like. Good God, man. <laughs> it's because he starts sweating. Yeah, poor Aaron. Of... His first big time as an anchor and he starts sweating like a madman. And it's yeah. it's funny, but yeah, it's kind of sad to watch someone go through that because that's awful. Well, and then you had all when they cut to when they cut to other footage, they come over and you know, they, they're knocking on the side and someone's holding the side yeah. straight Josh, their hands hand. in the shot. Josh, your stuff. hand. Your move hand. Your, move your head. It's it's really it's like, you know, this is more than Nixon ever sweated. Um Or he's like, Is this really noticeable? Real. And he opens his jacket and there's like <laughs> pit stains and big old stain oh, around his collar his and they're collar coming yeah. at him with uh, blow dryers and a big old towel. <laughs> oh man it's it's very funny and then you have that now the reason why he's doing the news is because everyone else is at the correspondence Mm -hmm. dinner or you know the big another big party she's all dressed in that very very 80s 80s dress (laughs) very 80s but kind of amazing dress anyway you know um the polka dots and everything you know you see it's like this is this is 80s but holly hunter's looking nice um and uh one of the things that i noticed earlier too is the camera does a really good job they brooks does a nice job sort of showing without focusing on it just how short she is (laughs) you know because there's the scene where earlier where she meets jennifer and tom outside of that restaurant Mm -hmm. you know after everyone's left and you they just kind of draw your attention a little bit to how much shorter (laughs) she is than them she's just sort of this tiny woman but she has this like lion in her or her up against joan cusack (laughs) it's just like yeah towers over her 
Yeah, I mean, and it's not it's not trying to like short shamer or yeah. something like that. I don't think that's the point. I think it's kind of like this woman is powerful and fierce and mm-hmm. all these sort of in this world where she maybe wouldn't at meets the eye belong. And I think that is um, done well in a lot of these sequences where, you know, it's not to draw attention to it. It's done subtly, but it's something that I picked up on maybe against my better judgment even, <laughs> but I, I, I saw that and went, ah, that's interesting, you know? And then you have the whole thing where William Hurt and Holly Hunter are out in front of the Jefferson Memorial having wine. I like yeah, that scene they, before that though, yeah. when they first meet up, cause it's yeah. a very, it's for shot, very like romantic comedy style uh-huh, uh-huh. with her, like looking down at him, you know, from up high. If he doesn't see me, yeah. then it wasn't meant to be. And then he does see her and he does that little thing where he clasps his hands on his heart. And it's very yeah. sweet the way that he does that. And the way that they, uh, they meet each other on the escalator. Just very like romantic vibes going on with that, and but then and it's also course, kind of funny that the reason that she well, makes him leave. the reason why they leave <laughs> is funny. The yeah. reason she makes him leave the party is that they're they're checking the contents of everybody's you know, purses and briefcases and stuff. And we had seen in an earlier shot that she <laughs> dropped a thing of Trojans <laughs> into her purse, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Okay, yeah, we gotta go." <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it's very cute. very funny they have the most like unromantic like kind of kiss groping mm-hmm. thing here <laughs> yeah it's like if, if you're gonna do that at least kiss me know, he's just yeah. they're just dating there he's just like touching her boob it's like what are you doing <laughs> it's, it's very odd um but you know clearly things are heading in a certain direction mm-hmm. but she says oh i said i was gonna stop by Aaron's and see how the show went. And that scene is really tough. Well, at first, um, um, first of all, for my personal experience that I kind of related to Aaron here is when he's telling her about what happened. And she's like, well, I don't believe that really happened because you're so like fine with it. And what he says is like, it, it was just so bad. It was funny. It just kind of made me realize yeah. that I'm not right for this. And I just yeah. I've kind of had similar feelings too, like, you know, with the whole like I'm not doing the thing that I majored in in college mm-hmm. right now. It's like, well, you know what? I tried it. I did it. I put myself out there and I realized uh-huh. that it wasn't for me. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I had good experiences and bad experiences with it. But it's just oh, that wasn't for me. And that's, that's fine. Just got to accept that. That's an easier way than just crumbling. You know, that's a better way mm-hmm. to deal with it because you can't change it. If it's something you're not right for, then you're not right for. And there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Yeah. But this is the scene where he calls Tom the devil. Yeah. And this is, I think, really interesting because I think she kind of he gets to her a little bit. She sees that. It's like Tom, though, a very nice guy is the devil. He's not going to come and show up with a fork tail and a pitchfork all this sort of thing instead he's going to get us to just lower our standards just a little yeah. bit and that's exactly what he's that's done that's exactly what he's done yeah yeah and he personifies everything you've been fighting against and i'm in love with you oh look at that i buried the lead i love that I line <laughs> i i do too i do too i've never seen you like this with anybody so don't get me wrong when i tell you that tom while being a very nice guy, is the devil. This isn't friendship. You're crazy, you know that? What do you think the devil's gonna look like if he's around? 
God. Come on, no one's going to be taken in by a guy with a long red pointy tail. Come on, what's he going to sound like? <sighs> no. I'm semi-serious here. You're serious. He will be attractive. He'll be nice and helpful. He'll get a job where he influences a great God-fearing nation. He'll never do an evil thing. He'll never deliberately hurt a living thing. He'll just bit by little bit lower our standards where they're important. Just a tiny little bit. Just coax along, flash over substance. Just a tiny little bit. And he'll talk about all of us really being salesmen. And he'll get all the great women. Hey, Aaron! I think you're the devil! You know I'm not! How? Because I think we have the kind of friendship where if I were the devil, you'd be the only one I would tell. Well, you were awfully quick to run after Tom's help. When all right, you fine! Help yes! And if things had gone well for me tonight, then I probably wouldn't be saying any of this. I grant you everything. But give me this. He personifies everything that you've been fighting against. And I'm in love with you. How do you like that? I buried the lead. I don't know. I, I think I like- ultimately that scene works because, yeah, he's 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 fighting. He's like there are things popping into his head that he shouldn't be saying that he's saying anyway. Um, but I think she sees past that a little bit and says, "Yeah." And is and their friendship is deeper is deep enough for her to see. God, I know, <laughs> I know you feel this way, and I've known you've felt this way for a long time. I don't feel that way. I'm sorry. Yeah. But you're a good guy still, and we'll always be you can, friends. Yeah, you and, can feel that just in the way yeah. that this scene plays out, too, because it's not, yeah. like, one big, shout, like, impassioned shouting no. match between them. Like, it starts no. out with um, her saying that she thinks she's in love with Tom and, you know, him saying, get out of my house, but then, like, come back here. And it's it's kind of like an extended fight scene in a way because, you know, they, they don't really want to leave. Like, she knows that she has to be there for him and she has to deal with the situation now. Yeah. And it's like they, they have that one little fight and then she has to call Tom and say that, you know, she's not going to be there. And then they kind of fight again. And <laughs> you just feel, yeah, like you said, you feel the history of their their friendship and the understanding that exists between the two of them and even though they she doesn't feel the same way that he does like neither one of them wants to hurt each other but they kind of do inadvertently and it's just kind of a it's a strange situation between the two of them. i don't know what i would do if i was in a situation like that two of them are because no. that's hard you don't want to you never want to yeah. hurt somebody but you can't force well, something where it doesn't belong to. yeah yeah I mean, because they really are close. I mean, this is a, it comes across as a really valuable friendship to both of them. You know, something they both really care about preserving, even though some, one of them wants more and the other one doesn't. But at the same time, I think Aaron knows that he'll get over it eventually. He just <laughs> you know? acts, ugh, I just can't stand him. He acts like such a petulant little child sometimes when it's like, you're supposed to he love does. me because we're friends. <laughs> it kind of feels like, you know, and it's just like, ah, but I no, think he's been, doesn't. he's been, he's been lied to by the movies, you know, <laughs> yeah, <I think> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe that's it. You know, I guess I, I feel like I've been in, in his shoes at different times in my life, <laughs> I guess, where, you know, I, 
I I was you know close friends, but you know sort of that was it, and that was fine, you know. And though, and I and I never I never re I never got close enough to any of these people to sort of get to the point where I would confess my love or something like that to these people. But yeah, it was. Uh, but so I guess I kind of get it, though I wouldn't approach things the way that he does. I would hope not. <laughs> no, because that's the wrong Definitely way to do not. it. <laughs> definitely definitely but at the same time he's they're all like i said they're also at a point in their friendship where i think they understand what they mean and what they don't mm-hmm. it's some of what makes the movie interesting yeah. it makes it complex it makes it more it's a lot to wrestle with, just, with the characters it's like i like this yeah. part of you i don't like this part of you i don't don't really yeah. know how to read you exactly do you mean this do you not i don't know yeah I think that's why something like this works so well is because you can love a lot about the characters and dislike other things about them, which is, that's just the way people are. I mean, we all, we all have good sides and bad sides and dark sides and light sides, you know, it's just how much of each is in each person, you know? So it makes it a more real feeling movie oh, yeah. too, a uh, much more authentic kind of characters. Definitely kind of are not one dimensional. They're very complex. No, yeah, and you know we that brings us up. You know the to the, the, the firing day. You know essentially you could call it where they just actually essentially clean house and well, you know, who shows up to uh, to be there for that? Exactly, Mr. Bill. Jack Nicholson. Bill. Yeah, that's right. Where you can kind of see that he's. Uh, He's a little bit complex too because he is. He, I think he actually he cares about these people. He he knows their names. He's gotten to know the people at the the smaller stations. Like I like the scene where um, where Blair comes up to him and says, "You know, no, Bill. Like, welcome back to Washington." And when she walks away, he's like, uh, "Was she one of the ones on the list?" And I think you can tell. I think he really does care about these people and about what he's doing and he feels bad about yeah. it. But then at the same time in that same scene, Paul says something to him. It's like, well, you can make it a lot easier on these people if you just knock a million dollars off your own, of your, your own salary. That he's like, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> yeah, kidding. He doesn't say, he just has a look where you know it's like, no, he's not going to do that for somebody else. No, no. <laughs> Well, I mean, some of the things that are really funny, uh, my maybe my favorite moment in the whole Don't movie. Don't say my favorite line. Is this going to be the one? Maybe. Is this your favorite line? Okay, where he's talking. Lines. Okay, so he's talking to, I can't even remember who it is. They're kind of shaking hands yes. and saying, <laughs> well, I've never, never thought that early retirement. I'm at an age where early retirement is flattering. And it says, well, if there's anything I can do for you. And he says, well... I certainly hope you'll die soon. <laughs> and the way he says it is just so funny. I mean, it's 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 perfectly. Yes, that was my second favorite it's, moment. It's perfectly <laughs> it's <so> delivered. <laughs> and the yeah. secretary is just kind of go. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so oh, beautifully shit. delivered and deadpan. And I mean, it's one of those moments where. <laughs> You can imagine right after the take finished that every actor in the room just completely broke up. Oh, yeah. It's so perfectly delivered from both actors. This is such a sucky um, scene, though. Like, seeing... Uh, it really is. Because, uh, uh, again, getting a little personal, like, I've been in that... Had that mm-hmm. scene for myself uh, when the uh, the economy went bad and everybody was cutting back on their jobs, so... The yeah. television station I was working at got that, and there was one one day, one Friday. They waited till a Friday. Yep, um, that's normal. Where people 
were getting called into, you know, this conference room one by one. And as we were kind of catching on to what was happening, I remember I was there talking to the weather guy and we were like, oh, shit. That's when my boss came up to me and said, hey, can you come with me? (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's that's a tough thing, especially it's. it's easier to accept when you know that you've made a mistake or that, you know, you kind of suck at it and you probably shouldn't have that job. But when I, I was I was moving it. up, I was doing good. And they, you know, they, they were so sweet to me. Like they specifically told me, it's like, we do not want to do this at all. Like, because you're doing yeah. a fabulous job and, and we want you to keep moving up. But like I said, I was one of the I was the least I had the least experience. Y- yeah. And I was one of the last hired. And that sucks. Yeah. I love that job. I really oh, did. That's a shame. Yeah, and it sounds like uh, the others didn't work, weren't as enjoyable as that one. No, um, no that was all. my favorite one. Um, the, this local news station here that was the best. And way it works out, yeah. unfortunately, isn't it? Yeah. What's interesting, you know. And Blair here's loses also, her job too. Uh huh. Yes. <laughs> That's another is, great line that. from uh from her to Jane. Except for socially, you're my role model. <laughs> yes, that's another good one. Well, and you can see that Bill and Tom, they kind of shake hands. They really focus in on that handshake. Mm-hmm. They do. That there's a connection. There's a sense because we find out that um, Tom is being moved to London, which was the step that Bill was taken in. Is and and. Aaron even says they're grooming you for the big job. Yep. And that's exactly what's happening. And Aaron, you know, with his principles, they were gonna what were I what exactly I don't I, remember exactly. Yeah, but they were they were going to move him to something and he says, So I did the only thing I could do. I quit. Yep. And it was a good job that they were giving him. There was nothing wrong with it. In fact, it sounds like it would have been pretty pretty good for him. But he was like, I have my my principles, I've got yep. my, you know, whatever, and I'm not going to do this, which is interesting. So he takes a job in Portland. Jane gets uh, Ernie's job, which is a, yes. another sweet little scene between the two of them where yeah, mm-hmm. where he's like, oh, I'm glad it's you. But then you have the whole thing where, that whole scene where Aaron tells Jane to take a look at the outtakes. Yeah. Because he had said something um, to Tom, kind of an off-the-cuff uh, question. He was like, he only had one uh, camera crew on that date rape story, right? And he says, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, ask him how he got the got that without uh, a second, without another crew, with only one crew. And so she watches the tape, and as it turns out, after the story has been, gets the producer or whoever is on site with him, the mm-hmm. director perhaps, says, boy, it looked like you were going to cry yourself and that it's like oh really oh okay just just give me a minute and so they turn the camera on him and he turns and he's got a tear which they then edited in to earlier in the film and you watch that and you go okay (laughs) i mean now i mean you understand why i mean i understand why jane is so upset about it i do too right but Um, i'm because but but at the same time you're kind of like well he was gonna he was gonna probably cry anyway i mean i mean is it really that bad is it really inauthentic i I know that's that's kind of what i'm feeling too because it's like okay i understand yeah why you're mad about it that you've yeah created this scene the situation which we we know from you know earlier in the movie Mm -hmm. that she's against yeah she's against like creating the news but 
again, like maybe taking it too personally is like, well, at the same time, like he's also, as we saw before in the scene where everybody was watching that piece, everybody was very moved by it. Even Bill was, you see the look on Bill's face after he's seen it is very serious. Mm -hmm. It, bringing he's awareness done to a what very he's, si- he's serious done, situation yeah, yeah he's done what he needed to do to, to get people moved and to get him thinking about yeah this very serious situation is like mm-hmm. maybe i'm not 100 percent against that yeah and it's know. it's one of those things where it's like it's not it's not that you, bad you kinda, it doesn't seem that bad and you know it and really doesn't. and the thing is he even says it even justifies it he says yeah i acted it out after but i was i was practically there anyway and I think you become aware of, okay, yes, obviously, because we live in an era of things like reality television, mm-hmm. which reality television is not reality. Ew. I mean, how many, you the more, and the more you watch it, the more you realize, okay, that was definitely reshot. I was, yeah, sta- things were staged yeah. and Yeah, you can see things edited. that are staged, reshot, re-edited, taken from different contexts, uh, to and placed in different moments, you know, characters are made out to be certain people are made out to be villains, some are made out to be heroes. It, yeah. All of these things are manipulated. Voiceover and ADR is added oh, yeah. all the time. And so I think now it's sort of, and we sort of accept it as quote unquote reality. And we can you know? see through it now. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, whereas, yeah, what he's doing is emotional manipulation in a way, but. Yeah, almost like it's he's not for a good he's cause. <laughs> he's not orchestrating a story like yeah. like Lewis Bloom does. Yeah, and so it's it's really complicated. I have way more of an issue what Aaron said in the earlier scene than what Tom does. You're right. Yeah, even if yeah. he's joking, his, even if his, he doesn't really mean what he's saying, like that's he's that's not he's pissed off. He's pissed off because. Tom's getting attention. I don't care. Positive attention. <laughs> you know, that's and you oh, I know. I know. I'm just saying that's that's why he's pissed off. I'm not saying it's a good reason to be pissed <laughs> off because um, it's not. But it's just I think that's what's going on there. I... And it's just um, it's a complicated sort of reaction um, that because I, I think that even in 87, he didn't cook the story. You know, he didn't come up with the whole thing, mm-hmm. you know, which we have seen happen. I mean, for goodness sake, Dan Rather got caught doing that. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, it's not the the glass story. What's his name? Christopher. I can't remember the character, the guy who wrote a bunch of fake stories oh, from the New Republic. We studied There's that. a really good we movie about that. that. In high school. Yeah. 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 Um, but in the reality of, you know, this world where people really do make fake news <laughs> i mean you know and i'm not talking about what donald trump claimed was <laughs> fake news you know that's not what i'm saying there there is a lot of manipulation of the news we studied a whole story mm-hmm. in one of my high school journalism classes i remember where it was this very intense story having to do with like this one person and drugs and abuse and everything and it was like this i think it was like a award-winning article like we read the whole article or i think the teacher read the article to us and we were like wow and then next thing she said was and the author made it all up yep (laughs) and i was like holy shit (laughs) yeah exactly and you know or you 
at the very least, there's so much there's withholding of facts mm-hmm. or there's you don't know the whole story. One of the things with Twitter is they'll jump on something and just without you from a headline mm-hmm. and you didn't even read the article and you'll just something is going to get jumped on and dragged on and on and on when that wasn't really the intent. So often we just don't know the whole story. We don't know all the facts. And, and you look- that's scary. And I think that is one of the things that makes what Tom does a little bit scary. Because, I mean, he talks about the line, but they just keep moving that sucker. Yeah. So, you yeah, know? what he does, you watch the package, It's he does allow the woman to tell her story. It's very, very yes. intense. And there's just like this one little cutaway of him, him yeah. crying, which honestly is not that bad. But yes, he does say later on. It's really on, not. It's really not. But I mean, but, but what yeah, that but what he does say, to, yeah, what he says later on about you know that's that's a line. Now we can move the line a little bit further, and you know that he's the kind of person that yeah. would do that, that would keep moving the line further, yeah, and do more though, unethical things. Maybe not to the extent yeah. of a nightcrawler. Though what he but, says, yeah. what he says in his speech at the close of the movie when he when uh, Bill is retiring and he's mm-hmm. taking over that anchor position was he essentially says, "Don't put me in charge of the news." I'll report it, mm-hmm. but I'm not the one to. So I, you, you kind of get the sense that Jane got to him yeah. and Aaron got to him. Oh, because she you know? at the airport because they had. Yeah. Tom and Jane had had a plan to uh, to go on a vacation before he left for London. Yeah. And so they meet up at the airport, and she is just railing on him about this. And he's, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of don't like him in this scene too, because she's, oh, no. she's yelling and, and he's kind of doing that thing where he's like, Jane, like people are watching, you know, again with appearances, uh-huh. mm-hmm. what he's so obsessed with. And he's kind of brushing off what, what she's telling him about how she feels about what he did. Yeah. But I, yeah, I do think he did, he did learn from it, but he's just, he's more concerned with like wanting to see if they're really right for each other. And the scene's like, yeah. can we please just get away from... That's a big thing with him, too, is like he he wants to get away from their jobs to see if they're good together. Because the way that they are at their job, there's too much animosity. There's too much competition yeah. for them to really see if they'd actually be good together as a couple, which I don't think they would be. I don't think either. No, any, I don't, I don't think, think so any of these people would be good together no. as a couple, which is why I'm, no. I love the ending. It's kind of yeah. It's it's much more real. Yeah. Where um, you know she she doesn't. I don't. I don't know if they don't say one way or the other if she's with someone or not. Well, she says there's um, a guy. Oh, that's that right. She's oh, been dating. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah. You're right. The, yeah, and it's been a short. It's fairly like seven short years later. Yeah, right. Tom's giving a speech, mm-hmm. and Aaron's there. Aaron has a kid, <laughs> and he's Aaron married. Has a kid. Uh huh. And then uh, Tom, Tom has a is with a fiance, and then she's. That's, I had forgotten that. Yes, she she is with uh, someone who it's been a few months. I yeah. think is what yeah, is what she says. Yeah, um, who is willing to uh, fly <laughs> to to meet up with her? So yeah, it's, a, it's so, kind I of mean, a great. So it's clearly something serious. It's a nice ending. Yeah, it's a great ending. I think where they're all kind of meeting up. It's like it's like that thing where they're all. It's like in the movie they were all teenagers and now they've grown up into adults. You know, in, in the yeah. scene they, they they've learned from this whole like stupid love triangle that they had where they knew mm-hmm. nothing was going to come of it back then, I yeah. think. They've all kind of grown up in a way. They've all become adults, come into their own, come into yeah. recognize their strengths and work on them and get get better at it. She's 
going to be working. I don't know what's going to happen later on because apparently she's going to be working with Tom again. <laughs> right. She's going to, but she's moving up to be like what managing editor or something. And mm-hmm. that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Aaron's yeah. happy. Aaron, like the one you would think would not be married with a kid is the one that's married with a kid. And, and he's got his happy. nice little, little small job with high standards yeah. in this little market in Portland that he seems to, I mean, he's apparently been there for seven years. And so, which is huge in this situation. And it's nice that they sort of ends with the two sort of trying to have their friendship. Yeah. You know, because I think they prop there's, they've moved on. There's a pretty heavy wedge that's, but they've moved on. I think. Yeah, I think so too. They feel like the kind of friends where, yeah, if they hadn't seen each other in so long that they could just immediately go back to where they've, they Mm. were before and it would be fine. There would be an under an unspoken understanding between them. Mm-hmm. Now, I've heard some people say that they don't like that this ending feels really unsatisfying, you know, that somebody doesn't end up with somebody. But I, I love it. I love it for that I, reason. In a traditional movie cliched way, it's not satisfying. But in a real life, this is the way human relationships work mm-hmm. way. I think it's very satisfying. You have interactions with people. And even if you have sort of a negative experience of some sort with them sometimes you can see them several years later and you just kind of go you know it's nice to see you mm-hmm. you grow up you learn you yeah, yeah yeah and and so i mean it's like going to <laughs> i mean like for me like my high school reunion <laughs> you know you just kind of see people that you had you know whatever big blow up with at some point in your life and you see them again it's like oh it's it's really nice to see you you know people change um, and sometimes people really can change for the better I think most people do. I think um, some people are real cynical about that. About you know, yeah, people don't really yeah, change. I think, <laughs> I think the core of what makes us who we are stays fairly consistent. But there are things that change mm-hmm. about us. Uh, there's, I honestly, really only terribly horrible people don't try to change and better themselves. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think most people really do try to change and better themselves. I really believe that even with, you know, as I said in a previous episode, my deeply cynical <laughs> view of humanity, I think that people really, for the most part, do attempt to better themselves and grow. Yeah. Gosh, I love this movie. I love both of these movies. That one, that mm-hmm. one is so much more harder to talk about too. Because the characters are so complex, but that's also what makes it so intriguing. I love getting into that. It really is. I still don't really know for sure. Maybe I feel a little bit better about Aaron (laughs) than I did before. (laughs) I still kind of hate him in some ways, but I I understand him. I I think I just like Albert Brooks. Maybe that's it, yeah. You know, I like Albert Brooks, and I know he does a few shitty things in this movie. I And I uh, right after this, I threw on uh, Modern Romance, and I know he does plenty of shitty things in that movie, I too. I hate him in Modern Romance. But, He's horrible. But, but something about him is just sort of like, I enjoy watching him yeah, and, you, you know, being in his world. You know, another one is like defending your life, mm-hmm. you know, and where so much of the movie, you're, you're sort of shown him being kind of an asshole you know you, uh, from you know how his life was yeah. just sort of squandered and and then <laughs> but he has this sort of lovely relationship he's building in the afterlife and it's just i don't know i i enjoy albert brooks cuz i think i think he so often can come across as a very real human 
you know, someone who is deeply flawed, but at the same time, likable enough, you know, to sort of root for him a little bit too. You know, I guess that's me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Love that good, movie. Good movies, good pairing. Um, again, they go kind of beautifully together. They do. Uh, different sides of the same world. It's kind of cool to see the progress from like a 1987 TV mm-hmm. newsroom to one from 2014. Right. Very modern and advanced. Like that's mm-hmm. that's what I worked in. I, I'm kind of missing it right now <laughs> that I'm thinking about oh, well. like my stories and stuff. It's like, oh, that was actually kind of fun. I missed that job. But oh, well. yeah, it must be nice to always believe, you know, better to always think you're the smartest person in the room. No, it's awful. Shall we uh, move on to a couple of recommends? Let's do it. I'll go first. It's not related at all, but um, I just really wanted to uh, recommend a friend's podcast. I'm going to recommend It Pa To Be You um, from our buddy Manish, Manish Mother. Um, this is a really cute little podcast that he does. I'm, a, I'm sorry if cute's the wrong word, but I love it because it's all about romance movies or rom-coms. Like um, every episode, mm-hmm. he'll he'll bring on a guest to discuss just their favorite romantic movie and it's it's really sweet i love all the the ones that he's talked about um yes i have been on it we talked about the holiday if you want to check that one out but uh, he also did this great episode about titanic it's like four hours long he got like oh wow so many people to just come on and and tell their stories about about titanic and how their the relationship to it why they loved it so much and that's pretty much what his whole show is. It is a celebration of these movies, kind of like what we like to do. And mm-hmm. he's great at it. He's a great guy. Love you, Manish. So check his show out at Pod to Be You. Great title, by the way. That is a great title. Yeah. Okay. My recommend um, takes maybe a little bit of explanation. Um, I was on a podcast some time ago uh, called A Thousand and One by One, where they go through the book A Thousand and One uh, Movies You Must See Before You Die. And they to talk about various movies. And I was brought on uh, to talk about a particular movie. And one of the co-hosts actually recommended uh, Nightcrawler, which I thought was interesting. Uh, So I had heard about it, of course. And then having been on there with them, I ended up finally giving the movie a watch. (laughs) And so that is more or less why I said, hey, let's talk about Nightcrawler at some point. (laughs) And so, and this was some time ago. Well, we're recording this uh, quite a bit before the episode lands, but um, unfortunately, that uh, co-host, Ian Woodington, uh, passed away uh, this last week. He had been struggling with depression and some things, and so he is, unfortunately, is is gone. So I kind of want to, in the opposite sense, you know, as he recommended uh, that movie, uh, to me, um, I'm going to recommend the movie that we talked about in that episode, which was Michael Powell's Peeping Tom, which kind of fits beautifully with Nightcrawler, uh, even though they're both incredibly disturbing movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you want to check out that episode, it's available in their feed, a thousand and one by one. And uh, Ian was a really nice guy, got me connected with with that show, and I really enjoyed conversing with him and with his co-host Adam. We had a lot of nice interactions over Twitter and uh, in conversation and things like that. And so he will be missed. And so just want to kind of dedicate that recommendation to, to Ian. Very sweet. Great movie too. I haven't All seen right. that movie in a long time. 
Yeah, um, you know, maybe another little side note. Uh, it was just discussed on cult movies oh, with that's right. Anthony King, and that was a great episode. And hey, we're going to be the two of us on <laughs> cult movies in about a month or so, which is really exciting. <laughs> yeah. um, so actually, by the time this, I mean, who knows, by the time this one goes live, we actually may have already recorded the episode. We the plan is we will already have recorded the episode. So uh, it, it might even be available. We're talking about Stanley Kubrick's The Killing. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun to chat about. Love that and, movie. Yeah, um, it's going to be fun. Yeah. And Anthony has a great show. Uh, if you haven't listened to Cult Movies Podcast, uh, check it out. It's very cool. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Right. And I'm like super psyched to be on <laughs> on that show. I got to say, we've we've had a lot of sort of guest showings over the past few months yeah, here. you've got one up. coming up with you've got one coming up on schlock and oh, i'm sure it's been up for a while by now yeah, by the time, <laughs> but yeah. we're so ahead of time i think she said the end yeah. of june was when it was going to come yeah. up but yeah so we pretty soon I was on I was also on Sherlock and Og, yeah. Sherlock and Og a while back. I was on Cobwebs with Daniel Epler, which was a lot of fun talking about uh, the public enemy, uh, which is one of my favorites, which you finally saw. Yeah, I did. I, did. <laughs> I finally I got Little Caesar actually from Netflix. So that's the last yeah. one I got to see. Yeah. I'm taking your I, to, I take your I recommendations. About... See, I listen yeah. to your recommendations. You're taking recommendations, see? <laughs> that, was very, uh, that was very Edward G. Robinson sounding see? there. Yeah. All right, so, move on. We got to move on. We got to move All on. Right. So what are we talking about next week? Dude. Not next not week. Next, next week. time. <laughs> I keep doing that. I got to. It's because we practically record every week, even though I we know. only air every other week. Can you believe it is time for another Forever Favorites episode? <laughs> feels like the last one just dropped right yeah which yeah. it kind of did <laughs> <laughs> we are ready to record episode 20 episode 20 that's a good, i can't that's believe a good milestone, that right? that's a great milestone so. yeah so this is our this is kind of the the ones that are kind of in the second place spot in a way even though mine's yeah. i put diabolique in the second place spot i think yeah but this is for you one of your this obsessive <laughs> favorite oh my gosh uh, this word. is this yeah speaking of schlock and awe I, i'd already <laughs> talked about this movie on schlock and awe so for me this forever favorite is wes craven's 1984 masterpiece a nightmare on elm street sweet we get to do another wes craven we do another Wes Craven, and it's going to be actually a horror movie yeah, from the master of horror. That is crazy. Why would we do that? Anyway. And then for me, um, it's going to be from 1962, Jay Lee Thompson directing Robert Mitchum and Gary Peck in Cape Fear. So excited to watch that again. I have seen it once. 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 Which is crazy really crazy because i loved it and so i hate to say it i'm actually more familiar with scorsese's remake um because i was just watching a lot of scorsese at the time um but it's i still it's okay. still am yeah i know i know you're, <laughs> you're not a big fan um but i'm i'm super excited to rewatch it well again talking about <laughs> other podcasts we've been on i've actually already talked about cape fear and the remake together i was on an episode of ethos movie with patrick we talked about both of them at the same time but yeah i am excited to get more into um maybe the original and kind of sounds like almost gonna be a first time watch for you if you've only seen it 
You've only seen it once. Maybe get reacquainted be, with it. Reacquainted yeah, with it. Okay, so when, the last time I saw it, I'm pretty sure I checked it out on VHS from the library. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> so, so it's, been, it's a while. been a long time. But somehow I still really strongly remember Robert Mitchum as Max Cady, even if it's just kind of a feeling about it. And I remember Martin Balsam yeah. as well, because, I mean, of course, he shows up. Gregory Peck, Robert Mitchum, and Robert uh, Martin Balsam all show up in the remake. Yeah, so I, I, I was <laughs> like, ah, I see what you're doing there. You know, <laughs> I, felt, I felt so smart at the time. Um, but now it's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Whatever, Kuiper, you're 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 small fish, but um, it's uh, super excited, super excited to watch it. Getting into uh, some more heavy themes. I was hoping we could do something a little lighter next after this episode, but both of them are getting kind of dark and deep into these movies, which we love to well, do, but. Yeah, and so we we sort of we sort of decided to change up the episode after that to make it a little lighter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, which is now that I'm looking at it, it's like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yes. Uh, as much as I would have liked to to talk about that other movie, we'll we will at some point. Yeah. I'm sure. So lots of lots of good stuff ahead. Um, really excited. Looking, we actually have practically into the middle of 2022 already planned uh so yeah. we've we've got lots of ideas and some fun stuff up ahead and uh thanks for everyone for listening and for hey at this as of this weekend uh when as we're recording this we got over 2000 downloads and we're appreciative of that that's Thank it's you. a big deal yeah. it's a cool thing um it's a cool hope little milestone again yeah I like little Yeah, ones. yeah. Celebrate the small yeah. sacri- uh, sacrifices. Small victories. <laughs> victories. <laughs> what was I saying there? <laughs> Celebrate the small victories, yeah. But yeah, so if you are liking the show, if you can drop us a rate and review on iTunes, uh, that is very helpful to get a little show like ours noticed and um, into more ears. And We're the little show that could. We need help yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Really appreciate everyone who continues to listen yeah. and, and interact um, with us online. Mm-hmm. Love seeing yeah. the reactions to the episodes and the movies that we're going to be talking about. I love it when people get excited about, you know, when we kind of tease what the next episode is. So that's always yeah. fun to see. And you can follow us online. Um, I am at Michelle N. Agan. I'm at Brian D. Kuiper. And the show is at Movie Life Pod. So follow us all. Say nice things. Come say hi. We like to talk about movies. <laughs> we do. We do. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody. And what will we do, Michelle? We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.